Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program today, I've got Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, our buddy Jared Dillard hanging out with us as well. A lot to get into on our program. A lot of great guests. We'll have birthdays in sports, player of the week, a nightly TV guide. Ben Ingram, the voice of the Atlanta Braves Radio Network, will join our show. We're going to catch up with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer and then Stephen Lassen of Athlon sports joins the show in the final hour of sports call the preview magazines are out we're going to talk all things college football what goes in to making one of those predictive magazines and a whole lot more so exciting episode of sports call here today weather permitting the thunder chickens are back in action a little bit later tonight so your favorite sports call crew has some more softball games coming their way a little bit later this evening jj ryan brooks and jared inside the studios here today brooks i want to hear from you how are you? I am doing phenomenal. Uh, wasn't on yesterday, so my first show of the week. Great to be back. Uh, good weekend of sports. The Atlanta Braves, even though they lost, had a very competitive series with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then uh, on the other side of the baseball world, in the college ranks, Ole Miss getting a win to get their first national title in the baseball world. So congratulations to them. Really, really fun series there. Um, but yeah, we are, we've started to enter the, the realm of not a lot of sports on as last night, there was no national TV sports on anywhere, unless you had like one of the streaming platforms. Um, but it's, it's fun. We can't wait to get out there with some Thunder Chicken softball tonight. Can't wait to get out there and uh, hopefully boost my on-base percentage back up because that's the thing I, I take most pride in. And I was really hurt when I realized that um, fielders' choices don't they, – they actually take away from your on-base percentage because it costs someone else an on-base spot. So um, even though I was, three, I was on base three times in the first game, I, I went down in my on-base percentage, which is unfortunate. But once you learned the reasoning, like it justified that, right, Brooks? Yeah, yeah. Or, or mean, are you still being selfish? And you, I, I'm, still <laughs> kinda, I'm still kind of selfish because I did get on base. Like that's yeah. still – I'm on base. I don't care about anybody else, but that's not what a team sport does. So right. yeah. <laughs> um, can't wait to get back out there tonight. Um, and, yeah, can't wait to talk to all three of Three guests today yeah. and, and callers, and uh, we're going to be very busy. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, got to see Jurassic World Dominion last night. Uh, you were there, JJ, as well. Um, really enjoyed it, and definitely the culmination. I thought it was fun. Definitely the culmination of the franchise I was looking for. It wasn't like groundbreaking content. You know, it wasn't anything that you haven't seen in some of the prior five movies. But I was really pleased to see uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum in there. Uh, a good bit and for them for their characters to matter and obviously all the dinosaurs in there so really enjoyed it um you know i know some people you know not in love with it 
I mean, I would just say, you know, it was ne- the last film was never going to be like a groundbreaking event. Uh, it was wise, I think, to play it pretty safe and uh, just kind of feed on nostalgia. So I enjoyed it. Um, going to see some more movies here in the near future. As Brooks said, you know, it's uh, not a lot going on the next two months. Kind of honestly uh, refreshing for me. Like just I'm not complaining at all about the last few months, but it's like when you're a fan of a team making a deep NBA and NHL playoff run uh, and a fan of, of what Auburn baseball is doing, you're occupied every single night until 9, 10, 11 o'clock. So um, I'm kind of going to use this as like a summer vacation away and get riled back up for, for football and stuff. So uh be probably watching a few more movies here soon and, and that sort of thing so doing good uh but we're gonna keep sports i guess to the day job for yeah. a couple months and uh first show of the week for you mentioned this briefly yesterday on the program but uh we got to go see some baseball this weekend we did uh, i just you know spent the last 90 seconds saying that uh Less sports for the summer. <laughs> Not no sports, though, because uh, we still absolutely love the Atlanta Braves and follow them. And when you play 162, you maybe don't watch every single one of them. But um, we uh, we were at Truist on Saturday and a uh, huge crowd, which, you know, to be fair, I've really not gone to Truist Park, and there's not been a, a good crowd. Obviously, there's a little extra when the Dodgers are in town, but really just the fact that there's more road fans than anything. Because, I mean, I've, again, I've been to sold-out Truist before for no just kidding. regular season games. Um, but it was a great atmosphere, very loud. Uh, I think the loudest part of the night, uh, A, the Azuna homer, but then also just striking out Freeman with the bases loaded in the, in the uh, seventh inning. When they were down, when the Dodgers were down three to two, obviously they tied in the eighth. But um, it was fun. Got a little adult beverage there. Got yeah. to hang out with your brother and and uh, your mother as well. And a very pleasant time. Enjoyed seeing them. And I'm sure you uh, you was, you had a great time. Yeah, that part of it was the highlight of the weekend. Get to see my family. And then uh, the Braves game was awesome. Indeed, you love the Ozuna home run. You had a terrific reaction to that take. Yeah, place. well, because it was a uh, runner on second, no one out. I think what was it Darno? Darno had doubled, had doubled. Right before. And I was just saying, just hit the ball off the field, get the runner over the third. We just need one, and he hit it <laughs> off the middle slash to the opposite field. He just hit it four hundred and ten feet, um, which is accomplishing an even better goal. And uh, he's had a couple of those clutch hits this year. Brooks, you'd be happy to know that as soon as that took place, Ryan did his little sword swipe uh, that the Braves are known for. Stood up and amongst the Braves faithful, uh, gave it his best effort. You inspired me to do that. We got depressed because it was 3 nothing, and the Dodgers came back and tied the game at 3. And as I said, there were a lot of Dodgers fans there, so I was hearing let's go Dodgers as, as commonly as, as almost anything in the ballpark. And we had Dodgers fans sitting right beside us, um, although they were very respectful. But a row over, there were some really loud Dodger fans, the type that were starting the let's go Dodger chants and – um, you know, trying to get into it a little bit with some other fans. And so I, I kind of chopped in their general direction first. And there was also a couple <laughs> Braves fans that would just like look every time the Braves did something good, would kind of just stare at them and, and start talking uh, trash to them. So, yeah, no, it was it was a playoff feel of a game. I've never been to a playoff game, actually, for the Braves. But like I imagine it would feel a lot like that. 
Uh, it was unfortunate for the Braves to blow the Sunday game, but I, it was a really competitive series, and it was close throughout, and it just reminded you of why these two teams have played in the NLCS the last two years. A whole lot of fun, that's for sure. Jared Dillard hanging out with us as well. Hey, Jared, how are you? I saw two disturbing news articles that just came my way. That's why I've been making faces over here. Uh-huh. Um, Are they sports related? One sports and one's not. Do you okay. want to hear them? Yeah, go for it. The first sports one is that the ACC has consolidated into one division in yes. football. That's disgusting. <laughs> You're and not a fan of that. And they're moving to a, what do they say, a three-five-five football format. Right. With teams all in one division starting in 2023. That's disgusting. The second story is that a Phoenix City orthodontist was just arrested after shooting somebody. Oh, no. Yeah, talking uh, about getting braces and uh, then... Uh, apparently, he got into a fight with the AC guy. Oh, no. So, that just, just tell you how hot it's been lately, <laughs> yeah. is when orthodontists have started shooting the, the AC heat, guy yeah. that comes out to fix the Sheesh. AC. Yeah, be safe out there, everyone. So, how did my weekend go? Yeah. Apparently, not as bad as this other guy's <laughs> yeah. went. So, uh, I, I can't say that I've been shot yet, but good. let's just wait till the Thunder Chickens play tonight. Yeah, good to see you, and I'm glad we will have some Thunder Chicken action a little bit later in the evening. Let's go ahead and we'll take our first break in the program when we come back we'll take your phone calls on the auburn bank phone line james from montgomery is due up right after this on sports call Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back into the program. Ben Ingram, the radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, will join our show coming up in about 10, 15 minutes or so. So right now we want to take your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401. Very excited to go to the phone lines. And joining us now on the program is our good pal, James from Montgomery. James from Montgomery has called into the show today. James the Thunder God, as he's also known. The Thunder Chickens play later tonight. And here we are. We've got a phone call from James. Hello, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, how are y'all guys doing on this uh, beautiful uh, Tuesday afternoon as well? It's a great Tuesday. How has your day been so far today, James? What's been the highlight of your day so far? What have you done? I have been watching uh, the first round of Wimbledon all week yesterday, all day yesterday, and today as well. I know you. I know you wanted some Wimbledon trivia. You want to get into that right now? Ah, uh, yes. I really do want to uh, take a swing at that. Oh, I, I like say. it. That's a good pun right there. Here's your first question: What kind of surface do they play on at Wimbledon? What is the playing surface? at Wimbledon? Um, the playing surface, it varies. Um, well, actually, I'll take a good swing at that one. I would have to say it's all grass. Yes, very good. Awesome job, buddy. It's been like that for years since 
Um, Wimbledon actually started doing their grass surfaces since 1963. Who has the most Wimbledon championships on the men's side of all time? Uh, the most Wimbledon championships on the men's side of, uh, of the tennis uh, bracket, that will be no other than Roger Federer. That's right. Roger Federer has been outstanding there. He's got uh, eight titles. Do you know who has the most titles on the women's side? Uh, the most women's title on that end, that would have to go to no other than the GOAT herself, Serena Williams. What do you like about Serena Williams? Well, actually, Serena, she has a lot of, um, she's a very strong, independent woman. And, you know, with her being at the age of 40, uh, she inspires young young women to actually keep up with whatever they want to, whatever whatever life throws at them. She wants to, you know, tell other women, young girls, actually to uh, keep keep your head up, keep driving, don't let nothing stop them. And that um, what she's actually referring that quote to. She was referring it to. Um, at the time, she was burning that quote to no other than 17-year-old Coco Golf, which is now 18 years old. And she is an outstanding young lady in Wimbledon as well. Yeah, I know that you're a big fan of Coco Golf and what she's been able to do in her career. And uh, she is 18 years old, born in 2004 there. And hopefully she'll be able to win a lot of championships throughout her playing career. Uh, but uh, you're a big Serena Williams fan. And, and Roger Federer, he's been quite dominant there at Wimbledon as well. What about uh, Rafael Nadal? We saw that he got a win a little bit earlier today. Uh, have you seen Rafael Nadal bite the trophies before once he wins? Um, yes, I've actually seen it um, many a times as well. What do you think of that? He bites the trophy, James. Uh, that's something that he's been doing, you know, over time. And basically those trophies, when they actually get like certain, I've seen certain kind of trophies for Wimbledon over the years. And the one trophy that I would like to actually see stay in Wimbledon is the big plate that they actually win? Yeah, I think they will. Uh, I think they will probably hold on to that trophy for sure. Anything else on your mind? Um. Well, I'm very upset about the Atlanta Braves losing uh, over the weekend to the the Los Angeles Dodgers. I was rooting for y'all. I was rooting for us to actually win, but I think we might make a, a huge uh, turnaround this time. Uh, this week when we're actually um, when the Atlanta Braves actually play at home against the Philadelphia Phillies as well. Yeah, we're uh, we're on the road. We're not there at uh, against them at home, but we are at Philadelphia, so hopefully we can beat the Phillies in that series. It was fun to be at the game. They actually won the game we went to on uh, Saturday, it was, but the Dodgers took two out of three in that series, so we'll see how the Braves respond. And I know you were keeping up with the USFL championship. Yes, as well. So I'm very, very excited to see my Birmingham Stallions actually. We've actually won the championship. Uh, no, we won the playoff divisional round. So now 
uh, this weekend, we're actually playing the championship round to actually win uh, next week uh, on the eve of uh, in, of the 4th of July weekend as well. So that's going to be a really, really good uh, game for me to actually watch as well. It is. It is going to be a fun game. We'll see if they're able to win. Uh, they're now 10-1 and on the season after going 9-1 and in the regular season. So you think Birmingham can get the job done? Yes, as well. So I'm going to just see how Birmingham uh, will get the job done if they don't have any key injuries that I'm actually looking at. So it, it's going to be it's going to be an easy road for them as well. And then plus on top of that, they're playing in a really good stadium in Canton, Ohio, the birthplace of uh, the National Football League as well. Yeah, no kidding. We've got uh, two Thunder Chickens games tonight, James. Yeah, I, I, I did see that. I know we do have one uh, tonight, and then we have one later on. So I wish we, I, I hope that we have a great season this year and maybe next year as well. Yeah, we'll be sure to keep you updated on how we do tonight. You have any motivational speeches? Our coach Jared is here. Do you want to give our coach a motivational talk here, James? Uh, not today. I'm. I'm not. I don't have any uh, motivational uh, things right now. But I will have those uh, ready for you all tomorrow. Well, James, I have something for you. Sure. It's an old Chinese proverb. It's about okay. the when the best time to plant a tree. Do you know when the best time to plant a tree is? During the summer. Fair. But the Chinese proverb says 20 years ago. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. But do you know when the second time the the, the second best time to plant a tree is? Mm-mm. Today. So no matter mm-hmm. what, no matter, you know, if you, if you say, you know, you're 40 years old, but you never went to college, and it's never too late. Yeah. Go do it. Go do it. You could do anything you put your mind to. Like Shia LaBeouf said, just do it. Yeah. Yes, as well. So we really do um, really need that as well. And that's why I tell a lot of uh, younger people, if they want to do something, just go do it or reach for the stars as well. You know, just just go and do it and and uh, reach for the stars and see where those stars will actually take you. What are you most proud of, James? Uh I have so much that I'm proud of. Actually, one, um, being an Auburn fan as well. And, you know, seeing if if Auburn is actually going to win another national championship this year. I hope they do. We, we got to aim high and dream that it can happen, and maybe the football team will, will get their ducks in a row and they'll be able to win it all. Yeah, become yeah, legendary. Well. Become legendary, James. We're going to become legendary, and that's what the chickens are going to do tonight. Yes, as well, because with the Auburn football season right around the corner, I'm actually looking at a lot of different things that Brian Harson is actually going to be bringing to the table and um, seeing if we're going to actually uh, win another national championship uh, trophy sometime this year as well. We'll see if we're going to be able to get it done, that's for sure. You got any final words for us today, James? Um, I don't have any final words for you all today, but um, I know tomorrow – is uh, I normally all do like Wacky Wednesdays on tomorrow. Yeah, and I and I really like that as well. I really like it as well. So I might have some wacky stuff. 
Oh boy, yeah, you well. you bring us the wacky topics, and we'll uh, we'll be entertained for sure. So, uh, good luck to our Thunder Chickens tonight, James. And uh, you know what we always say: cluck up, cuckoo. Yes, yes, we actually do say that as well. And I can't wait to be with y'all in 2023. That's perfect. We'll give you an update on how the game goes tonight, okay? All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, James. We appreciate that phone call there. 334-887-3401. There's our good pal, James from Montgomery. Jesus. Joining us on the, uh, the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go ahead and take a break. I'm sorry. I had to say become legendary because I'm wearing Jumpman right now. <laughs> yeah. It was a You were inspired. I yeah. understand. I understand. We chat with Ben Ingram from the Braves Radio Network right after this on Sports Call. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back into the show. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, as we're proud to use our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a special guest. It's none other than Ben Ingram with the Braves Radio Network, your radio voice for the Atlanta Braves, back with us here on this Tuesday. Ben, the time is always greatly appreciated, and I think we have to start with what was uh, accomplished last week by the Atlanta Braves, and they were able to present Freddie Freeman with his World Series ring, a lot to make of the emotions that everybody was experiencing. What was it like, Ben? Take us there to be a part of this past weekend. I appreciate you having me, fellas. Good to talk to you guys. Um, it, it was pretty wild, to say the least. I, I think we all knew it was going to be emotional. I think we all knew it was going to be um, pretty overwhelming. But to be quite honest, it, it was more emotional and more overwhelming than I even thought that it would be. And that's saying something, because Freddie's an emotional guy, and we've known that. But uh, when 42,000 people were on their feet cheering his name and uh, it, it, this whole thing started during the press conference and batting practice, and he steps up to the box, and he's in and out of the box and um, received his ring before the game. It was really a moment that I think everyone who was there will remember it very fondly. And, uh, you know, the rest of the series, it, it was a little bit different. But I think in that moment, it was the moment that he needed, and I think it was the moment that the fan base needed as well to see him back in Atlanta. What kind of expectations did you have going into the weekend, Ben? I mean, were you, were you kind of up to date on, okay, a timeline, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, or were you kind of caught off guard by some of the things that took place there with Freddie? What caught me off guard was everything that took place before the ring ceremony. I knew that the ring ceremony was going to be a tear fest. I mean, I think we all knew that. I think him receiving his ring and Snit being out there, his name being announced, uh, I knew him climbing into the box and hearing his name announced was going to be a moment where everyone stood up. But I was thinking it was going to be maybe even as many as five or six minutes 
uh, where he's being recognized by the fans. That, that met expectations. What was extremely surprising to me was the press conference um, and, and then Freddie at BP. And we had an opportunity to go speak to him during BP, and he could hardly even speak to us. It, it was unbelievable. This was several hours before the game. This was several hours before he received his ring, and he couldn't quit crying. And his, his eyes were red for hours, and, and I didn't expect that. So, um, you know, that would have been one thing if this were the first time that we had seen him, but we saw him in April as, as we went out there to L.A., and, and I know that he was emotional then, but, and I kind of felt like some of that was going to be over with, but it was really that times 10, and I didn't expect that that far before the ball game. And Ben, one more Freddie question for you before we get to the, the Braves at large. But obviously today with him uh, and the rumors that he is changing agencies here, and it just seems from the outside that it, it just seems like a, a tragedy of errors that that kind of went on. And I know that it's still a, a business at the end of the day, but like, it, it, did it seem to you that there's some real regret from really all parties involved on, on how it all went down this offseason? I think the only party who, is, who really has any regret would be Freddie. And, and everything that's happening today, we've known about this for months. I, I'm honestly surprised that this didn't come about before now. I kind of expected this maybe back in April. He has not been satisfied with how everything went down ever since it took place. I don't think that Alex Anthopoulos could have handled it any differently. He was working with Freddie's representation, and it's Freddie's representation that cost Freddie. Uh, that and I think well, another part that cost Freddie is Freddie didn't take full command of his own free agency. And to be quite honest, I think that the party in between Freddie's representation, in between Freddie and the team, is the the party that you would point fingers at and point blame at. Freddie didn't want to be a Dodger. Freddie didn't want to play for anybody else. He wanted to be a Brave. And I think it's Freddie's responsibility to make sure that that happens. Uh, It's his career. It's his free agency. He's a father. He's a, he's a, uh, a husband. If these are the things that you want, you make sure that they take place. And it's a very long story that goes back to the offseason of 2021 and him not getting a contract extension at that point. I think a lot of us thought that it might come at that point. It didn't. And I don't know how much of that carried over into uh, what took place with this offseason, but all those things were were contributing factors as well as the uh, the lockout. I mean, there was no communication from December the 1st until March the 15th, I think it was, or whatever it was, uh, with the lockout. So all those things combined set up for very different circumstances, but I think ultimately the reason that Freddie is not in Atlanta, like it or not, fair or unfair, I think it falls on Freddie and certainly his representation. I think his representation did not represent him the way that, that he wanted them to. And and I don't know that he saw to it that they were to do that and, and, and held them responsible. And that's, and that's why you're seeing the news today with him parting ways with XL. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think the Braves could have handled, handled it any differently. I think they handled it perfectly. They were put into a, a corner, and they had to make a move. They had to go and find themselves a first baseman. And Freddie's representation basically uh, made it impossible for the Braves to make a, an offer that would work for them. And there was, there was a lot of radio silence after offers were made to Freddie's representation. Um, the Braves couldn't handle it any differently, and that's what happened. 
and, and from kind of this uh, off the field stuff to on the field, we had two teams that had just seen each other in the NLCS a couple of years in a row between the Braves and Dodgers, and also before that, a, a four game series against the Giants. These were been the, obviously the first couple teams uh, above 500 and really truly good opponents the Braves had played in a few weeks. Uh, what do you think of, of taking four out of seven against these NL West teams this past week? That's a great question because I think going in, if you had told me they're going to take four out of seven, we all would have been thrilled. And we all do all along. Look, when they're winning 14 games and playing really good baseball, that there was going to be a, a part of that where it was okay, but you haven't played any teams with winning records. That's how it goes. When you play the same teams as the Mets and the Phillies and the Marlins and the Nationals, um, that's just how the schedule worked out. The question was going to be, what do you do when the Giants and the Dodgers come to town? And the Braves did extremely well, uh, taking four out of seven. Looking back on it now, knowing what we know now, it really rubs you the wrong way that they couldn't finish that ball game up on Sunday. That's what it's one that really bothers you because that's a bad loss. Bad losses are going to happen. You can't handle when they happen. You just hope that they don't happen in, in a series like that. And you had an opportunity to take two out of three from L.A., and, and it didn't happen. Now it's time to move on. I think you can make an argument that the stretch coming up for this ball club is going to be equally as challenging. And you'd say, well, how is that the case? Because you're not taking on the Giants and the Dodgers anymore. That's true. But you're going into tonight's ball game without Ronald Acuna. I don't know when Ronald will be available again, whether that be the end of this week. This road trip, next homestand, we don't know the answer to that yet. Kenley Jansen's about to be out for two weeks. He has the irregular heartbeat, and he was put on IL today. You still don't have Ozzy Albies, probably won't have him until mid-September. Good news is you could get Tyler Matchett back at some point soon. Eddie Rosario's making some rehab appearances, so he could be back pretty soon. But you're stretched a little bit thin, and especially in your bullpen. So the challenges continue to come, and you face a good Phillies ball club tonight that is going through their own challenges without Bryce Harper. Ben, you kind of mentioned it there, but I wanted you to go a little bit more in depth. We did see today the Braves put Kenley Jansen on the 15-day IL with the irregular heartbeat. What have you hear, heard about that situation, and then what are the Braves going to do in his absence there at the back end of that bullpen? Well, we're about to talk to Snit here in about 15 minutes and figure out the answer to the last half of that question. My guess is it would be Will Smith uh, because he obviously has closing experience. Um, with Kenley, this is nothing new for him. He has had episodes before in his career where he has had irregular heartbeat issues. Uh, he had an operation a few years ago to, to help with that. I don't know that it's anything that will ever be completely corrected. This is something that he has dealt with much of his career. His three previous episodes that have taken place during his career all happened in Colorado. And, and he has told us when it comes to going to Colorado, and we saw this when we were there uh, a few weeks ago, he doesn't pitch back-to-back days in that in that environment, something where the elevation affects his heart rate. But apparently that happened again uh, over the last day or so. And anytime he has an episode, he's very cautious, very careful, and, and make sure that he does what he has to do in order to correct that. And I can't imagine how frustrating that must be for him because if you think about it, uh, of a guy, of all the guys on a team, what role would probably demand the, the uh, the highest heart rate. It'd probably be your closer. I mean, you're coming in looking for three outs and your emotions are there. and um, you, You've got the adrenaline rush of the ninth inning trying to close out a ball game. And I'm sure that's probably counterproductive to his condition. But this is something that he has dealt with before, and we have to trust that he knows what's best for him 
Um, and, and I know he's seeing his specialists and his doctors, and he'll be doing everything he can to be back and ready to go. A good point there. The diehard of diehard baseball fans, their heart rates are going crazy at the end of ball games, trying to get those last three outs. It's only something you can imagine what the closer is going through, and so we hope that Kenley Jansen can come back quickly. Our guest right now, Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, is out for Atlanta. We saw him exit the game on Saturday against the Dodgers. Tell us a little bit about this, Ben. This this is kind of cloaked in mystery to me because he fouls the ball off of his foot. He remained in that ball game. He even got in a rundown later in that ball game. Uh, there didn't seem to be signs of anything that that seemed to be uh, too over the top in terms of pain. In, in terms of. Uh, uh, how, how cautious he was about the injury. It seemed like something he could play through. They, they did an x-ray on it. There was no fracture. Snit told us that after the game, and, and we were all taken aback, thinking, wait, 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 no fracture. We didn't even know it was that serious. Uh, but then Ronald had requested on his own uh, one of the, the scooters that you can prop your knee up on and, and wheel around and take your, your weight off of that foot. So that told me this is obviously bothering him significantly more than he let on, significantly more than, than we were led to believe initially. Um, he was on, uh, as you mentioned, as he, during, during our Sunday night ball game, he was on uh, one of the broadcasts there for that game and mentioned that he was very concerned about the foot and the injury itself. And I don't know what that means other than what to take on, on face value with his words. So if, if he's concerned about it, that gives me concern. But fortunately, the x-ray shows that there's no fracture. So hopefully this is just bruising. Maybe he's out uh, this series. I don't know. Uh, they, they've given us no timetable. So I, I hate to speculate because sure. you never, never know. Maybe he wakes up tomorrow and he's in the game. I have no idea. But I know that he's not in the game tonight. And Adam Duvall is in right field. And hopefully in the next 24 hours we'll get – some sort of an update on the timeline for Ronald. Let's get one more for you, and then we'll let you get out to it and hear from uh, Snitker himself a little bit later. Again, Ben Ingram is here with us on the program today. You talked about uh, some of the injury updates. We saw the rehab assignment for Eddie Rosario and Tyler Matzik on his way back. What about Mike Soroka, Ben? What's the latest with Soroka, and what could he possibly add to this Braves uh, starting rotation? Because we haven't seen Soroka pitch in quite some time. Yeah, we have. And a lot of that's going to depend on what we see really in the month of July. Um, Mike was he was sent to Florida about two, three weeks ago, and that's where he started throwing flat ground, progressing to throwing from a mound. Uh, here in the last two weeks, he has moved into a six-week program that is very similar to what he would do for a normal spring training. So what, what he's doing right now, just consider it spring training for Mike Soroka. Um, you just continue to see how that responds how he feels, um, how he continues to build. I, I think what you're looking at for him is get to the end of July. And once you get to the end of July, that's about when that six-week period would be up. Well, there's no guarantee that Mike Soroka at the end of July is going to be regular season ready because we've not seen him in almost two years. It was August of, two, of uh, 2020 when he went down. So upon that six-week period expiring, I think at that point he would go and start rehab. He would most likely – uh, spend most of that rehab in Gwinnett. I think they'd have to evaluate at the end of the six weeks when he's down there in Florida which level is best suited for him in terms of rehab. Does he go to Rome, Mississippi, Gwinnett? We don't know. And and maybe he's there for a week. Maybe he's there for a month. We, we really don't know. I think it's going to be a situation where we continue to watch him. How does his arm respond? How does his foot respond? Uh, how, does, how does he continue to, um, to, to fare in between outings? 
and how long is he able to go. So it's hard to really pinpoint exactly what my expectations are because I could see him needing multiple weeks of rehab just because he hasn't pitched in a big league game in yeah. almost two years. And at that point, you're talking about September. So I would say that the best-case scenario for Mike, very best case, would be early August. And maybe the more realistic sign would be first week or so of September. We'll see what happens. Ben Ingram joining us here. Phillies and Braves coming up this weekend. The one thing we need to watch out for in this series is what, Ben? And we'll let you get out of here. What, what to watch, Braves and Phillies? I would say the starting pitching. Uh, Zach Wheeler goes for the Phillies tonight. Um, he seems to always have the Braves number. Really good pitcher. So I'd say whatever our left-handed batters can do versus him, that'll be the story of tonight's ball game. And then furthermore, the bullpen, because the Braves have had some issues with their, with their pin, obviously, down a man or two. And, and if this Braves bullpen can answer, then it should be a pretty good series. Thanks for the time, Ben. We'll be listening all week, and folks can listen here in the Auburn area. Be well, and we'll talk again soon, okay? You got it, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right. That's our pal Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, joining us on Sports Call. A reminder, right here in Auburn, we're proud to air Atlanta Braves baseball within the Braves radio network, AM 1230 WAUD, right here in Auburn. Let's take a quick commercial break. We're back in a moment. This is Sports Call on the Tiger Communications Sports Network. Us on tweeters. Follow our sports call host, JJ Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at sports call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on the program, J.J. Jackson, Ron the Voyager, Diller Brooks Childress here inside our studios. Our thanks again, Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves on the Braves Radio Network, joined us a moment ago here on the program. Terrific conversation, always appreciative of his time, and a lot of good things to talk about as the Braves get set to open up a series with the Philadelphia Phillies. Atlanta, 10 games over. 500 right now but you've got uh, these three division games with the Phillies Kenley Jansen now on the IL what in the world's going on with Ronald Acuna Jr no Ozzy Albies like uh, boy we were having fun to start the month of June and now that it's coming to a close let's hope July is uh, isn't equally as bad so to speak yeah and as we were talking about with Ben you know the the four and three set against San Francisco and LA wouldn't have seemed like the end of the world if you didn't have that last game against LA seemingly in the bag with with two outs in the ninth and up two to nothing um so you played really good baseball but you're just starting to get injured I mean other teams deal with it it's not a huge excuse I mean the Mets have been without DeGrom all season they've had Scherzer out most of the season um if you're Atlanta obviously You've got a situation now where 
Uh, Acuna is banged up again for a little bit of time. You're going to miss Kenley Jansen for a couple weeks. Uh, Albie's going to be out for a couple months. Still working your way back with Soroka. Still working your way back with Rosario. So there's obviously a lot of them for Atlanta, and you just hope that guys like Michael Harris and Orlando Arcia can continue to play really well in these guys' absences. You've gotten incredible, unbelievable production from Dansby Swanson. You've gotten some power out of Austin Riley again, out of Marcel Azuna. Darno for a catcher, has hit well. You've had good production, and you've also had a bullpen that um, coming in, I, I think it's still true. I don't think one game uh, reared it off, but yeah. they had the best bullpen ERA in the National League. Um, so you've gotten a lot of elements of your team straightened out here, and you just hope that injuries are not the reason that they start to kind of come back undone. But it, they've clearly figured it out, and winning four out of seven against the Giants and Dodgers was a good sign coming off the heels of playing so many pedestrian teams in a row. It, but but health can be an issue for everybody, and, and it was for Atlanta last year, but the Braves worked through it. So they, they know how to play with that next man up, very stereotypical mentality. Uh, but, but nevertheless, at some point, I mean, the injuries are, are, are going to start mattering. The Atlanta Braves this season are 42-32. and 32. They are playing at the Philadelphia Phillies, who are 39-35. and 35. First pitch for Braves and Phillies is set for 6.05 p.m. Central Time. That sets us up for this. It's a Tuesday. You know what that means. We've got to announce our newest Sports Call Player of the Week. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Dansby Swanson, the Sports Call's Player of the Week. Swanson's bid to make his first off game continued with a National League best or home run week as the Braves went 4-3 against their NL West opponent. Swanson compiled 12 hits, which also led the National League for the week. His home run in the ninth inning Wednesday night marked a come-from-behind win against the Giants and followed it up with a two-homer game versus San Francisco on Thursday. Dansby Swanson is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Indeed he is. Our Sports Call Player of the Week presented by Eric McDade State Farm. Visit drivewitheric.com for your insurance needs. Uh, Talking about Dansby Swanson, how amazing he was. You just heard 12 hits on the week leading the National League, four homers, a big one, hitting over 300. This is a guy in Dansby Swanson who deserves to be an all-star this year in the Midsummer Classic. Dansby Swanson deserves to be playing for the National League. He's been that good. And, you know, we've been talking about Freddie Freeman and his agency today. Swanson represented by the same agency. He's got a big payday coming as he's nearing the end of a contract. I mean, it always feels like you got big decisions to make for clubs that we love so much. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it is obviously a great thing that, that Swanson has played really well, but he's driving up his market value a lot too. And if you're the Braves that just kind of beat around the bush just a little bit, I mean, they made strong offers with Freeman. They obviously didn't bend over backwards for him. Uh, you're kind of looking at this saying, wow, Swanson, we're going to pay him more and more and more because this is a career year. you know, And that's always a dangerous thing for negotiating because – Swanson is having his best year of his career without a doubt. And so if you, you know, he'll command a a huge contract. And if you pay him that contract, do you get this every single year? 
Or do you get the guy that was hitting 250, 260 most years with about 20 home run power? And then that's a completely different conversation because coming into this year, I absolutely would not have put in Dansby Swanson in the top eight or nine shortstops in, in baseball. Absolutely not. Um, but he is now going to get paid like one because he has absolutely played like one. He's played like a top three or four shortstop in baseball this year. And so, um, you know, that 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 will be an, another interesting test for the Braves' budget and what they're willing to do if he continues to do this. And, of course, we're not complaining about it. We're, the Braves need him to play this well. But, again, it's just something you've got to keep in mind. You're watching Judge do this in New York. Right. Judge was already going to get a, a, a silly high amount. Now, somehow, it's even if he heads up hitting 60 home runs this year, I mean, it's going to be one of the largest contracts uh, ever. So, th- that's what happens sometimes on these contract years is guys, sometimes they founder and sometimes they're really bad and, and they kind of screw themselves up. But sometimes uh, they make themselves a lot of money. Brooks, we're talking about Dansby Swanson, our newest sports call player of the week, presented by Eric McDade State Farm. Had a great, great week last week. Um, it was just phenomenal. You know, the Braves, we, we mentioned with Ben Ingram a little bit ago. Um, I would have liked to gotten his take if we'd gotten a little more time with him on, on Dansby's play last week. But, um, you know, take, Braves took... What did we say? Four out of seven versus the NL West opponents last week. Three of those coming against the Giants, one against the Dodgers. And Dansby, I, I would say you were hard-pressed to find a game last week, that even if the Braves you know, ultimately lost a game, that he didn't perform pretty well in. And uh, it really, really deserved to be the sports call player of the week. And, I mean, like Ryan said, he's earning himself some money. He uh, did, did he win his arbitration this year? Or did he lose it? Because he was one of the guys that was on the arbitration list this year. I think he won it, but again, the, the figure was only like two hundred thousand yeah. dollars different. But you know, they the, he won he won arbitration this year, and he's about to win a lot more money as he keeps playing like this. Congrats again, Dansby Swanson, our Sports Call Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDade at State Farm. All right, let's take a quick timeout. On the other side of this break, we've got the second hour of Sports Call. Alongside Jared Brooks and Ryan, my name is J.J. Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 
Second hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio today with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard. Our thanks again to our pal Ben Ingram from the Braves Radio Network for joining the show a little bit ago. Talking about Braves baseball as they get set to open up a three-game series with the Philadelphia Phillies. We will have a conversation with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer a little bit later in the hour. We will then talk about, uh, at 5.30, Stephen Lassen from Athlon Sports will be a part of the show talking all things college football. Their newest college football preview magazine has hit shelves. You can find it at grocery stores, CVS, Walmart, uh, books of, your, your book retailer whatever it may be barnes and could, could Noble you not say books, books a million <laughs> and uh, whatever it may be that, that's where you can find that athlon college football preview maybe so, you can even find it at your local library Who or knows? you could go online amazon you yeah. know you can find it places you can hey, find it places just a tip to everybody out there if you google robert show public library and go to their facebook page no. you should see photos uh-uh. of brooks <laughs> no, dressed you. up no. as superheroes yep. yeah that's, that's a good that's not honestly that's not confirmed one of the best public service announcements no. we'll share today on the program. If you want to see Brooks confirmed. dressed up as, what were you dressed up as that one time? I don't know. Well, I, I have, can't have a, you confirmed or deny these rumors. I have a photo of you dressed as Captain America. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny any of these. And rumors. we should post it on the Sports Call Twitter. <laughs> oh, that's not. Oh man, if we could get to ten thousand Twitter followers by the end of the show today. Uh, How many followers you got now? Uh, some seven thousand. Seven thousand. Oh, oh, come on. We need some work. If we could get to ten thousand, we'll post it today. Three, three. Agreed, Brooks. No. I'll Are you it. serious? I'll post yeah. it myself. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine Tiger well, Nine. We'll be part of the Brooks program. Wishes. Yeah, we will. All right. Uh, before we do anything else, let's take this opportunity today to celebrate some birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports here today on June 28th, 2022. Jared Dillard, you have the honor, sir. Uh. Who's celebrating birthdays today? Who do we got? First up is Bradley Beal. He's turning 29. Current NBA shooting guard for the Washington Wizards, drafted third overall in the 2012 NBA Draft to the Wizards out of Florida. Three-time NBA All-Star, NBA Rookie All-Team, first team in 2013, first team All-CC in 2012, Gatorade National Player of the Year in 2011, McDonald's All-American in 2011, and holds the record for most three-pointers in a career for the Washington Wizards. God, somebody get that man some help. Yeah, I was about to say, why is he trending, Jared, right now? It's I hope, a I hope big God decision is whether or not help. he's going to play for the Wizards. Well, I found forward. out that Jalen Brunson's probably with the Knicks. I'm not really happy right now. <laughs> Jeff Malone turned 61, the former right. NBA shooting guard, drafted 10th overall in the 1983 NBA draft by the Washington Bullets. So There's a Washington theme going on right now. Out of Mississippi State, born in Mobile, Alabama. Woo, 251. 251, two-time NBA All-Star, NBA All-Rookie first team in 1984, SEC Player of the Year in 1983, averaged 19 points per game in his 14-year NBA career. Also, happy birthday to John Elway. He's turning 62. Former NFL quarterback drafted number one overall in the 1983 NFL draft to the Denver Broncos out of Stanford. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl MVP and Super Bowl... Why'd you put Roman numerals on here? 33. NFL MVP in 1987. NFL Man of the Year in 1992. Nine-time Pro Bowler. NFL Passing Yards Leader in 1993. NFL 1990s All-Dickie Team NFL 10th anniversary all-time team, Denver Broncos ring of fame, number seven retired by the Denver Broncos, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame. 
And John finally, Elway's pretty great. Well, Happy uh, birthday. Well, he just needs to put together a team. <laughs> and finally, Brandon Phillips turns 41. Former MLB second baseman made MLB debut in 2002 for the Cleveland Guardians now. Yes. Three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner, Silver Slugger in 2011, partial owner of the Lexington Legends of the Atlantic League of the Professional Baseball League, first player in MLB history to record two three-run home runs, seven RBIs, and two stolen bases in one game. Pretty impressive. Brandon Phillips celebrating his birthday today. Do you remember Brandon Phillips? Nope. You really know that? Am I not supposed, to, am I supposed to? I feel like you would, Jared. He played for the Braves for a little bit. Yeah, a very After, exciting. Why would player. I remember a Braves player, the Cardinals fan? Well, he played for the Reds for the longest time, yeah. and the Reds he was played only the Cardinals. In the Nobody cares about the Reds. You remember him? Now that I'm showing you a picture, maybe you remember him. Maybe yeah. pretty good player. Yeah, Wait, send me that photo. I need. I need to get to my barber. <laughs> I don't know. Ten years with the Reds. The, yeah, you know, ten years. Like yeah. That sounds about right. I'm trying to look here officially uh, on what that number would be. But 41 years old for Brandon Phillips. John Elway is 62. Jeff Malone, 61. And Bradley Beal is 29. That is our birthdays in sports. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 As we'll go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. And someone wants to deliver a message to Jared. So as we go to the phone lines, joining us here on the program is... Matt from Tallahassee. Matt has called into the program. Hello, Matt. Hey. Hey, Jared. What's up? Nothing much. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fine. Hey, Brooke owes us $100 each. Oh, I mean, no. I'm down for that. Oh, <laughs> what, 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 what's happening? What happened? What'd you do? I missed the show yesterday. So where's the money at? I got to go to the bank. I will get the bat out of my trunk. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Hey, 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 no, no hitting. No yeah, we're going to behave. No. He didn't mean that. If you hit Brooke, I hit you. And nobody's going to hit anybody. So. No, I love him. I, I love him. Don't worry. I, I would never lay a pinky on him. <laughs> Maybe to cuddle. Yeah. But that's it. All right. Anything uh, else today, Matt? I, I, I heard that. Brooke, but you should apologize to him. Yeah, you should apologize to me. <laughs> I, I didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, you did. You hurt. <laughs> Yeah, I, you, I, you hurt my feelings, what you said to him, bro. You need to apologize. I'm sorry. I, 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 I just I put right, so well, much effort into we're, this. Uh, we're going to put a bow on all of this. Matt, it was good to hear from hey. you today. Okay, hey, Jared. Hey, Jared, you have a nice fourth, okay, man? Hey, thank you, too. And, and whoa, 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 Booyah! Bam. Oh. Booyah! Beat Bama 48, 45, 53, 53. Georgia, Bama coming here. Phil this year. Talk to you guys Tuesday. Can't bye, wait. Brooke. See you bye. then. Bye bye. All right. That's our pal Matt from Tallahassee joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. All right. Let's uh let's take a commercial break. We'll reset and sports call will continue in a moment. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com.
Welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson here inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard. We're getting set to chat with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here in just a little bit. Uh, we'll talk all things Auburn athletics. He did a good story about the state of the Auburn athletics program this time of year with some of the things coming up and kind of reviewing what took place. Auburn baseball's run came to a close in Omaha at the College World Series, and now here we are. We're counting down the days, uh, the number 67, I believe it is, days until we see Auburn and Mercer from inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. So it will be here before we know it. But also what will be here in just a few hours is Thunder Chicken Softball. Got a couple of games coming up tonight, and uh, we're hopeful to play a little bit better than we did last week. Uh, Nine runs between the two games. Quick math, four and a half runs per game. Let's keep it up, guys. Let's score some runs. Let's make things happen. That would be good in Major League Baseball. Joe Namath guarantee we will win a game today. Well, let's make. I like it. Let's have some oh good energy. No. All right. How do you feel about that, Brooks? I I don't. I I just I don't think that's. What's I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I don't. I don't co-sign that one. Yeah. The first team we play today uh, is definitely more beatable because they lost the game twenty something to six or twenty something to seven. Um, I feel it in my bones. I'm telling y'all. The second team, though, is Moe's Barbecue, and we could send out um, Trace Bright, and it's still going <laughs> to well, be problematic for well. us. Well, yes, because <laughs> it's still underhanded pitching, so it really is all the same. Uh, you can't because you can't. You literally. I don't know if you noticed this when JJ threw a couple pitches last week. Uh, and actually, when the other guy on the first team we played, they called it for not getting high enough. Yeah. Like, I think you have to get above the hitter's head. Yeah. Uh, you cannot start it below his head, which is why you have no velocity I did on notice it. that last week, and I was, yeah. like, I was, I was like, what is he saying? But bring it up? Well, yeah, I didn't know. I it's did, like an illegal pitch. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't know exactly what the – um, what the line in the sand was in terms of what what's a legal pitch and like how do you determine if it's thrown too hard? Well, the simple way of preventing any pitches from being thrown too hard is if if you have to go so high it goes over their head or starts over their head. There's just no way to actually throw that with any sort of velocity. So, anyway, um, anybody that we got to pitch would be um, still problematic against Moe's Barbecue. They. Uh, destroyed us. They've won the league before. Um, so the second game, I, I don't feel is in play. The first game, I think it's free bases yes. we were playing. Well, we need to not give them those. We need to not walk <laughs> uh, walk them. And then, you know, I think it can be competitive. It's also, we just got to figure out what our whole team is like because we were missing three or four starters um, last weekend, or last week, rather. So we just got a lot of... Um, moving parts and things to discover. Well, I, I, I am confident in, in the roster that the front office has built and has given me to work with that we may just be that team that we just got to score a lot of runs to win. Yeah. Jared is doing, for those that don't know, he's keeping up with the stats on like an iPad. And so we're going to have complete batting averages, runs scored, runs batted in. I mean, I currently have them right now Slug after the first yeah. week. I don't know if after one week is fair since not everyone has played yet, and also some people have only got like two, three at-bats, but 
Yeah, right. but this is my only time that I can make fun of Brooks. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, Brooks had a very impactful first game. He had a uh, hit over second base. He drove in a run on RBI ground out. Um, so, I mean, he, he had yeah. some productivity. Do you, let us say, the last time I, I was went back in our Twitter, the last time we played Moe's Barbecue was the playoffs, our one playoff game last year. And we did play. What's ironic is we also played them start the season too. We, we did. So they got to whip us on. Um, I forgot we played them twice. Bookends. Do, yeah. Does anybody remember the score from that game? I'm gonna guess like tw- nineteen to four. Or I think it was twenty one to six. Jared, you weren't there. It was, it was the first game. No, the this was game? the playoff game. Oh yeah, I wasn't there. So I didn't care. Yeah. Uh, the final was uh, twenty-one to six. Most barbecue. Oh, JJ got that on after four innings. I just feel like I kept looking at that over, you know, because I visit that page frequently. I was counting all the days the point and, after we missed. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Uh, I was visiting the page, counting down to, to when we'd be yeah. playing again, and it was our well, last. Brooks, post. Brooks is batting two hundred with one RBI. His on-base percentage, which he touts a lot. Is at 200. Yeah, well, you know, because on-base percentage is a flawed stat. I'm I had forgotten wow. about... I, <laughs> he, he always talks about, oh, I got like an 800 on-base percentage. I did. And you know what? Honestly, it ain't looking too hot right well, now. Well, okay, now, not to, sorry to question you, though, Brooks. This is not like a rant, you know, everybody go up Brooks. Brooks. Mode, yeah, but gosh. if you didn't know the, the correct on-base calculation this year... You probably miscalculated in previous no, years too. There's no, no way I did that. I'm gonna hear all. See, there's an incentive in his contract that y'all don't know about with on base percentage, and he's really trying to get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really trying to get that extra box of little W cakes. I had forgotten about the RBI ground out though, Brooks. Like that was something you did. You needed to put the ball in play, and you did that. Yeah. Well, I didn't ground out. My RBI was in the first game. Was it not an RBI ground out? I was. I did not get out any in the first game. Yeah, he Brooks had two uh, a single and yeah. two fielder choices. Yeah, yeah. I mean RBI fielders. Yeah, I mean yeah. same thing. So, yeah, I remember that now. Then I mean, okay. if you hit the ball on the ground and there is a you know fielder's choice, I mean it's. But it wasn't an RBI ground out because I didn't get out. Right. I mean, still a ground. Whatever. Okay. I have not. I've, well, I have gotten out. I did not get out in the first game. But like Brooks, it has the same purpose. Yeah, it like your batting average. You're touting. Did not. You're touting you not getting out. Someone has gotten out. <laughs> like there's your team has still been <laughs> recorded an out after your. Yeah, that's bats. other people. What'd you say? So that's other people. <laughs> they didn't run fast enough. <laughs> but if they weren't running, you would have been out. They would have made the play to throw you out instead. Yeah. Because they threw to second and they got the right. out of yeah. second. If no one was well, running to second, they would have just taken the time to throw to first. first. The point is, I didn't get out in the first game, me personally. But your batting average shows that you got out <laughs> twice. Yeah, but I didn't get out. But your batting average shows that you got out twice. But I, I didn't get it. He but didn't I get didn't. out. I made it safe. What Brooks right, is saying, well, what Brooks is saying, he doesn't care about how y'all yeah. get on base. Yeah, I don't care. He about got y'all. on base. I got on base three times. He's in the actually first game. physically. But your no one would also say it doesn't that reflect way, that way. Yeah, we wouldn't say if someone in, in baseball at Auburn or professional or otherwise went, you know, zero for four or whatever. They wouldn't say, "Well, I was on base twice with two fielders' choices." No, I yeah. would. Well, that's just not how it was analyzed. So, I'm listen. <clears throat> I was on base three times. 
But your on-base percentage doesn't reflect I that. I'm aware. But he I'm was physically stats. standing But there. I stood on a base three times. <laughs> yeah. It's a small victory. Nobody somewhere. got me out in that first game. They got y'all out. Yeah. <laughs> they got other people out. I want to bench him tonight. So <laughs> there aren't many moments where taking people inside the relationship of folks on the show, and they see that a lot. There aren't many moments where Brooks Childress can push all the wrong buttons or get on people's. This might be one of them. I'm pretty fr- flustered. <laughs> yeah. he, he's throwing us for a loop right now. Yeah. People just need to run faster on hitting, all right? I <laughs> again if there was, was no one on go. that base, <laughs> yeah. they would just throw it to first. And then I would be telling you, you run fast. Yeah. Yeah, and I would I would pick it up a little bit. I'd get from what what when we going with like a point one mile per hour to point two mile per hour. And the thing is, we're being very complimentary of the knock that you had. Like yeah. it was a really good knock. Being very yeah, complimentary. Just ran into that one. And then you're just like extending it. Yeah. We're giving him a little bit of a compliment, and he's like, oh. I'm going to take anything I run with. I'm it, Barry Bonds. Yeah. Forget Brooks Jones. <laughs> I'm yeah, Barry I'm, Bonds. Oh, hold on. Not Barry Bonds. I'd go more Mark McGuire. You see what this kid's doing? He might need to be benched. Is it time for Ferg yet? <laughs> yeah. Are we up against Stop a break? Yeah. I'm excited to play tonight, though. I, I looks like the. I, I'll say it, I have confidence in what the Raiders are <laughs> Looks like the rain Everyone will hold off. Looked out the window. <laughs> <laughs> looks like the rain's holding off. There's rain to our north, but it's quite a ways off, and it's not really moving south. So, don't uh, name it the guarantee. We're gonna win. There'll be no rain. Are there fast people in front of me tonight? Oh, Cam's batting in front of me in one of the games. All right, we're gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. Cam, I kind of want him to pop up. First <laughs> I kind of do. Cam. Unless, unless there's like legitimate people on base, like we have bases low, we need to score runs. Like no, I kind of want. If, him to if pop Cam's up. in front of Brooks, Cam is like our Ricky Henderson. I, 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 I was gonna say a little bit taller, male, black Victoria Draper. <laughs> yes, he's I very did, fast. I did get out twice in the second game for clarifications. I did not get on base in the second game. I got close. God, I regret pinch running that second game (laughs) so much. It was not for Brooks. We won't be making those decisions today. Yeah. No, I'm still pinch running if y'all tell me to. Just not gonna slide. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sliding. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> well, nope. If it's to win, if it's to win the game, I feel like I have a moral obligation to slide. But maybe I would just rather truck the person and yeah. see first. if they call it. Yeah. <laughs> see if they call it. Uh, let's take a break. Justin Ferguson joins us after this on Sports Call. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back here to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard as uh, we're excited to go to our Auburn Bank phone line right now and bring on a good friend of the program, Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer, kind enough to take our phone call and chat with us here on the show. Ferg, how's your week been so far? How was your weekend? Uh, not bad, not bad. Uh, um, you know, just another week at this point. But, uh, yeah, uh, got to kind of ease off a little bit after the NBA draft because that was a uh, – that was a long and fun uh, Thursday night for sure. Yeah, no, it was. It was very exciting. It's one of my favorite events to watch each and every year, and yeah. I know you're in the same boat too. And uh, here we are. We saw momentum Wednesday night going into Thursday with uh, Las Vegas money lines shifting in Paulo Banquero's favor. Then Woj tweets Thursday morning, no, 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 not so fast, and then kind of reverses that about an hour beforehand. Jabari Smith ends up going third overall to Houston. Tell us the significance of this, Ferk. I think it all depends on how you feel about Jalen Green. I think Orlando and Houston are very equal in terms of assets. I think Orlando's got a few more. Uh, they've been the, they've you know this iteration of the team's had a little bit more success recently. But Houston has hit the hard reset button the last two years, and it's just hey, if Jalen Green plays like he's capable of playing, if Jalen Green's a top two pick type of talent. Um, this is a really good landed spot for a guy like Jabari. I think that's a really good pairing with uh, with Jabari. I think Jalen Green getting downhill um, and the pick and roll game is going to open up some opportunities for Jabari. And you know, Jabari would have landed fine in Orlando. I think I think Orlando. It's it, I'm very interested in like seeing how this all works with Orlando because like Bankero is a great player. I really like Bankero a lot, but. You know, he's very ball-dominant as a forward, and Orlando's the team that's got a ton of ball handlers already on it. So it'd be interesting how that works out. That's why I thought Jabari made sense there. Um, but, you know, I think Houston's a really good landing spot. I think Oklahoma City would have been better, but they seem pretty set on, on Chad Holmgren through the whole process. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it, you, don't get the, you don't get the acclaim of being the number one overall pick. I think that'll take some pressure off of Jabari, especially early on. But, um, yeah, I think... This could end up being a better fit for and a better spot for Jabari moving forward if I think if Jalen Green turns out to be that kind of guy. Because I don't think Orlando has a Jalen Green type of player on their team, a guy who could be that kind of impact. They got pieces, and of course, Matt Carroll's got to add to that. But I think if Jalen plays like a top two pick, you know, this could be a really good landing spot. And, and Jabari will get to grow with a team that's got a lot of young, young, exciting players. I'm glad you brought that up there at the finish, talking about Jalen Green and what he's been for Houston. And now you've got him and Jabari Smith getting the chance to play together. It's it's worth noting that Jalen Green this past season ended the year with five consecutive 30-plus point scoring efforts. No rookie in NBA history had had five straight 30-point games since 1997 when Allen Iverson did that. Uh, pretty good company that Jalen Green joins. And so, yeah, you think about those two guys, him and Jabari Smith, and if Jabari could translate to the NBA level, Ferg, we might be talking about Houston in several years, about being one of the best teams in all of the league. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, both those guys, they got a lot of team control left on their contracts, obviously. Um, very young, very young team. You know, I- I'm interested in what they're going to do at center, Alfred Singoon. Maybe. I mean, I know a lot of Rockets fans are excited about him, um, but he's kind of a big question mark to me. But you got Kenyon Martin Jr., you got Josh Christopher, you've got a number of pieces that are like the young players in Houston. And yeah, I mean, you could see Jabari and and, uh, and, and Jalen Green be kind of a really superstar team. On top of that, I thought Houston had a really good draft on top of it as well. 
getting Ty Ty Washington and Tori Eason, I think they got three lottery talents in three not lottery. Not all of those were lottery picks. Uh, Tari Eason's going to help them out on defense right off the bat. Uh, he was one of the only players in the country last season that I think if you wanted to give another player besides Walker Kessler, defensive player of the year, Tari Eason would have been it. Um, and, and he can shoot as well. And then Ty Ty is a great, I think, combo guard at, the, at this next level. And I think uh, he could, uh, you know, just because you're not really certain, um, you know, who could be kind of the lead, you know, number one guard moving forward for Houston long term. I think Ty Ty's got as good a shot as any of those guys. He's a really good player, and uh, it's a really good draft for Houston. It's going to take them a while. They're going to, they're going to be extremely young again. I think they're going to take some lumps, uh, but in a few years after they learn and grow together, uh, this could be the core of a really fun team moving forward. Tell me about uh, Walker Kessler. He goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves, ultimately, uh, a first-round draft selection, and he's going to start his uh, professional career there playing with the Timberwolves. Yeah, a really good pick for, for the Timberwolves, I think, is where Walker was projected to go. You had either one of two things going on. You were going to play, be on a team that didn't have a center lockdown or maybe an aging center uh, on their roster, or the more likely scenario when you saw how many guys, how many teams were picking in the, in the 20s, you were going to have a chance to be the backup to a superstar center. Um, and, of course, that's why they're getting in, in, in Kessler, backup Carl Anthony Towns. I think it's a really good fit, I think. You know, Walk's going to be a guy that plays probably 10, 15 minutes a game early in his NBA career. Um, the one thing that I think makes this an interesting fit and, like, a particularly a pretty good one is Carl Anthony Towns is a great player. Carl Anthony Towns is not a great defender, um, and, and Walker is. And so I think I can see where Minnesota kind of comes in and says, okay, you know, whenever our big guy, our, our, our franchise center is out on the floor, let's, let's really double down on our defensive efforts with that. So that'd be a lot of fun to see, and we'll see how Cat continues to be that guy. But um, you know, Minnesota's got Anthony Edwards, one of the best young players in the league already. A whole lot of fun. This is a team that is uh, you know heading into last season. They missed the playoffs in 16 out of the last 17 years. They made it to the playoffs last year. I don't think they're going to be slowing down anytime soon. Um, you know, not a title contender right now by any means. But the way Edwards is progressing, the way Towns is playing, and just that kind of hunger from that team, I think Walker's going to fit in on a team that wants to win. It's not a team that's going to tank. It's going to a team that wants to win now, and that's a good spot for him to land as a role player early in his career. Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer is joining us here on the program. You can follow him on Twitter, at JFergusonAU. Really fun story that you put out there this morning, Ferguson, taking a look at uh, what the Auburn Athletics program as a whole kind of looks like. You teased it, saying you hadn't done a project like this uh, before, that it took a lot of work. Uh, tell me about the idea to do something like this. Yeah, so uh, today at the Observer, I did a thing where it's kind of stemmed from a conversation I had with a couple people uh, here recently after Auburn got done in the College World Series, um, or kind of was in there for the baseball team, it's like, okay, you know, Auburn had a College World Series team. They had one of the best teams in college basketball this season in men's basketball. Um, the, the women's golf team made the Final Four. Gymnastics obviously had a phenomenal year with Sunni Lee and them getting back to the Final Four. Um, men's golf had a great year. And you start kind of lining up. Tennis got on a really good run late. And, and I started kind of kind of added up and said, okay, well, how many times has Auburn ever been in this position before? Um, where they had so many sports either win a title or go deep in their postseason. And so I just dug it up. I just went through the through the media guides uh, for every sport and just kind of tallied it up. And, um, I mean, you could make a pretty good argument. It depends on how you feel about swimming and diving and kind of like if you count them as two separate sports or one sport or 
you know, with the with the men's and women's teams there because it's, it's the same thing with track and field because they share a coach, uh, coaching staff. But you can make the argument that this was the most widely successful year for Auburn athletics in at least 20 years, and if not, maybe ever, because you you don't usually get this many teams playing this well all at the same time. And on top of that. Yeah, there's a lot of upward mobility for these teams. Like this is, this, it wasn't like a super successful year for Auburn softball, but you can see where they're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. They've made recent hires in swimming and diving and volleyball and track and field now, where you can see that that could pay off here in the near future. Football obviously did not have a great year, but that's Auburn football. You can they they could get a really good season out of nowhere. That's just kind of their thing. Um, so for a year last year, 2021. That school year was so bad for Auburn Athletics because just nothing really seemed to work right. With the COVID year, just kind of all the hippies going on, basketball kind of taking a step back. Um, you know, this past year was a really, really good one for Auburn. And, you know, I, I think you're in a position right now at, with Auburn Athletics is that you either have a team that is, you know, playing really well right now and you feel good about the direction of them, like they're in a good spot as a program, or you can see the pieces. You can see the potential. You can see the upward mobility. Women's basketball. If Brian Arson could get it going at football, obviously, um, there's a lot of a lot of those spots where right now. I think the evidence was just how many teams were so successful this year. You and I certainly talk frequently about the likes of, of baseball and basketball and football, soccer even, Ferg. But when you look at the Auburn Athletics programs, and, and really this is, is not an Auburn-necessary related question, but swimming and diving, I'm glad you brought them up. Swimmers, the athletes that they are, Ferg, oh, yeah. how impressive are they, man? Just, just freak shows. I mean, aliens, <laughs> I think. Like, yeah, an elite swimmer is just... Just one of the most you know, like the only one I can the only one I can think of where it's like okay if you don't do that you're, you're athlete athlete and, it, and it's very it's a very similar sport but like water polo players like those people are <laughs> animals like it's just it, it's insane what they can do but yeah I mean that's the sport I'm really interested in seeing for all moving forward they had a good year they improved um, their standing on both the men's and women's side this year in swimming and diving. And one of the things that, you know, growing up, I knew that Auburn swimming was, like, when I was a kid, was just phenomenal, like winning national championships left and right. But when I went back through the record book and started counting them up, it, it's so, like, overwhelming to just see how good they were. There were several years where Auburn won women's, women's, men's and women's SEC and national championships in swimming and diving all at the same time. They had several years wow. where they did that. And I know they're trying to get back to that level, and it's going to be tough, obviously, but... You know, they had a dynasty, and, and with their head coach right now, who uh, just finished up his second season, uh, Ryan Wamarenka, he, like, they're, they're in the right direction. I don't know if Auburn will ever get back to that heyday again, where they're, like, producing an Olympian left and right and winning national championships all the time, uh, but they could be back to being a force in the, in the SEC, and you know people are hungry for it, because that was a sport that, like, in the 2000s, you just knew Auburn was going to win the title in it. You take a look at uh, the, the Auburn Swimming and Diving Program. Dynasty is the word that comes to mind. The Golden State Warriors, you talk about the dynasty run that they're on. The 90s Bulls, and now I'll transition into the Thunder Chickens, Ferg. As, oh, uh, <laughs> we're trying to be a dynasty one day. Uh, two more games today. Uh, we went over last week in our debut. Uh, what, what do you got for us here as we get in, re- for, ready for week two? What, okay, so what were the scores in week one? What are we doing? Because remember, I gave you I gave you a goal. 
You did. Uh, we. Yeah. Uh, you'll be happy to know that we uh, we averaged four and a half runs per game. Okay. And uh, you know, I run rule. Did we, we really did get run ruled in the first game. We just ran out of time. We hit the hour limit, which was okay. great. Uh, what and was then, the final of that game? Uh, the final of that game was eighteen to six. Okay, all right. And then we lost twenty to three in the second game. Mm. All right. Well, the, the 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 goal still stands as the same one I gave you last week. Is this? You know, I'm not expecting you to win. I'm never going to expect you to win. <laughs> um, not that's not by forfeit. But my goal for you is, if you're talking about taking natural steps and building a program, you think about like what Butch Thompson's done, you think about what Johnny Harris is trying to do with women's basketball, get a set of attainable goals and keep pushing towards there and have like kind of good linear growth. The linear growth for y'all is just lose a game by not double digits. Like that would be like that would be a good one to have. Like if you get to the end, it's like, man, that was tough, but we didn't lose by 10 or more runs. I'm like, yeah, man, be, be happy about that because, you know, right now y'all are just getting – your eyes beat out all the time, and that's fine. That's okay. You're new to this, but um, you know that's that's my thing for y'all. Just give me give me a loss in the single digits, and I and I say, hey, celebrate that and, and, and build off of that. See, Ferg, we were on our way to a single-digit loss in Game 2. We trailed just 5-3 to three after three innings. Right. And then we committed about five errors in one inning and gave up 15 runs to lose 20-3. to Digit arm fall off, but... <laughs> Yeah, so that's the thing. That's the thing, right? You know, like if a, if a team gets hot at the plate and just starts bashing the ball all over the place on you, that's one thing, right? You just like, you know what? They're better than us. Tip the cap. But if you blow that, if you blow that, and I say lead, not even really a lead. Uh, if you blow that opportunity because of your own errors, well, I mean, yeah. that's got to be more motivation. You just got to get back to the drawing board. <laughs> like you got to, you got to do that. You can't, you can't sit there and say, well, you know, they were just laying them in there, or you know, that's a really good hitting team. You're committing all those errors. Tie that up. Who knows? Who knows? We might we might see we might see the nine run loss that you can celebrate. Believe it or not, Ferg, our entire team is just dreaming of a day where you make an appearance at a Thunder Chickens game. And I'm trying to tell people we probably would have to pay you to make that happen. Yeah, probably. And I'm saying like you you need to you need to show me something, right? If I'm gonna invest <laughs> in this team, you're gonna like I'm you know, I only go out there and watch you guys just get just die. Like, right. That's not fun for anybody. Um so like yeah, give me some of that progress. If you guys sit there and say, you know, you tell me a score one week and it's like, Well, that was actually kinda of, kinda of close ish. Yeah, we are wise though, and we do know that you're food motivated. So maybe if there was a meal promise of some kind <laughs> sure, involved, sure. that might maybe be able to make like things that. happen. Okay. <laughs> maybe so. Perfect. Maybe so. All right, what's coming at the Auburn Observer the rest of the week, buddy? Yeah, I got a uh, newsletter tomorrow on uh, on Zach Calzada. I had a friend of mine. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen this last. So I got a friend of mine. The words of Pro Football Focus had a really interesting take about Zach Calzada that I did some more digging into, uh, and there's a newsletter about that tomorrow if you want to check that out. Um, mailbag later in the week. We are trying to line up a guest for Thursday's podcast. I don't know if we're going to be able to get it in in time, uh, but if we do, I think it'll be a really fun one. Uh, so we're working on that for the Thursday podcast. So a lot of stuff, and then like you said, uh, the 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 uh, story day on the uh, on the best years ever for Auburn Athletics and where this past one compares. You can read that. You can listen to the podcast from yesterday. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, it's all there. AuburnObserver.com. Be well, Ferg. We always appreciate the time and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon, okay? Absolutely. All right. That's our buddy Justin Ferguson joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Don't lose by double digits. Pretty, uh, Pretty simple message from him.
Can we make that happen? And, and again, you know, not trying to make excuses, but we did have multiple starters out that we think will hit in the top half of their lineup and or top half of our lineup, excuse me. And so I think we will score some runs. I still don't know what it looks like defensively. J.J. did not give up any home runs. In fact, only two balls got to the warning track. One was kind of hit on a drive to the warning track, and one was just lined into the gap that rolled all the way to the wall. But he did not give up any home runs. Uh, The first team was very adept at bloopers, hitting them where we weren't. The second team, I feel like we really just committed too many errors. Um, So, again, uh, the second game tonight, uh, it's going to be probably pretty brutal. The first game, though, that's our chance to have a really good competitive game. Joe, name it the guarantee. I'm telling you. It's happening. Would you guys... It's happening. Would you rather... Would you storm the field if we won? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be great if we stormed the field after game one and we won, and then we lost like 26-3 to uh, dog, the next game. Uh, dog pilot on the, on, in the circle. We're playing the reigning champs. Uh, they won the spring league, caught up with a couple of guys that were on their team um, this past weekend, actually, and then we mentioned how well they played a season ago. Would you rather play them first and be incredibly demoralized going into the second game or would you rather our night i think i'd rather i'd rather play them first and here's why if we lose this first game which if we're being honest we probably will then all we have to look forward to is a nice butt whooping you know (laughs) that's factual but the butt whooping is happening regardless what happens with the other team. So I'd rather go ahead and get my lumps out of the way and then have something to look forward to rather than being there at 9.15 at night down 15-2 to two, hoping we can get to play another inning. I, I concur. Is that I, how you is feel? That fair? I want all the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Which game would you rather play first? The, the best team or the – both of them at the same time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my! How did our coach get so? Can confident? we take some what of their other see? players? Is yeah. that okay? What did he see at our performance? I want week? all the smoke. I don't care. I don't care if the Los Angeles Dodgers walked on that field. We'd be ready. We won't win, but we, you know, <laughs> we're going to play with the heart. We have Brooks Childress on the team. That's right. We have Brooks Childress. He always gets and he waddles. He didn't waddles get out the first game. He waddles, but he gets the first base. Jared, as a coach, did you appreciate Ryan's effort? Uh, well, being, you know, <laughs> you're being limited on players and him getting hurt. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> but the heart, the heart was impressive. Give but me, give me you want ten guys. Business decision from me, one of the best players. Yes, because on honestly, one, yeah. the salary cap. Have you seen the salary cap lately? No. It's zero, by the <laughs> way. I don't know if you noticed, and uh, it's it's kind of hard to hit the waiver wire when you have no money to work sure. with. Sure, uh, that's why that's why Ferguson on the team because <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't afford his contract. <laughs> but if you give me ten guys with heart, I would take that over twenty guys that can hit bombs. That's a lie. <laughs> you're both you're both cut my mic off for that part. I thought we were going to break. <laughs> yes, what I said. Give me ten guys my heart. Brooks, are you ready to play tonight, buddy? I'm ready to to do something tonight. I'm ready. Sounds I'm ready convincing. to rock and roll. Very convincing indeed. Well, I was threatened to be benched earlier in the hour, so Yeah. 
But also who? True. I didn't do that. Me. Well, the oh. other others in the studio. <laughs> no, but they can do that. It's in their contract. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of the hour. Thanks again to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for stopping by to visit with us. Go support his stuff. AuburnObserver.com. Follow him on Twitter at JFergusonAU. Alongside Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard, I'm JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard. We're excited to be chatting with our buddy Steve Lassen from Athlon Sports a little bit later in the hour about the newest college football preview magazine. And your phone calls are welcome. 334-887-3401 as we want to go to the Auburn Bank phone line to open up the hour here. And joining us on the program is... Ward damn steve our good power tired or damn steve now joins us on the program greetings steve and uh in the words of a famous uh, book that i don't know you guys may be aware of elvis is dead and i'm not feeling too good myself either how was it, it was how a, was the film it's a 10 and i'll give 10s like i know i gave it 10 yesterday but this is another 10 baby you saw back-to-back 10s how about that it was a i mean it it, it I, I i would see it again had, had you seen the new Jurassic World yet, Steve? Oh, yes, yes. And I give it about maybe a seven. Oh, a seven. Okay. Ryan and I saw that last night, and I know that uh, Ryan's excited to see the black phone. I, and you certainly enjoyed that one. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you, man, you've been on quite the run, Steve. Well, tell me about your views on the Jurassic World. You saw it. I really enjoyed it. Again, I'm, I'm the type of guy that uh, as soon as the film is over, Steve, I think it was the greatest film that I just watched, regardless of what it was. But, man, I, I was definitely on the edge of my seat the entire time, uh, really a- a- anticipating the next turn and that sort of thing. Big-time fan of, uh, of Jurassic World. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, no, I thought it was a uh, worthy conclusion. I knew they wouldn't, you know, at six movies in, you're either going to have to attempt to do something really – groundbreaking or you're going to kind of feed on the nostalgia and i was perfectly fine with them feeding on the nostalgia and really liked uh the amount that uh, laura dern and sam neil and, and jeff goldblum were in it and uh yeah no i i enjoyed it okay you know uh, fair enough i'm the reason i gave it uh seven not any higher is because i thought the dialogue was a little bit cheesy it was there were yeah at, there were times where they tried a little too hard uh to you know have some slang that's more common now and some you know little 
you know, internet type of wording and, and that sort of thing. Those darn kids. And, and so, yeah, no, I kind of see that. Some of it was definitely forced. I, I can see that. Okay. Right, but, yeah, uh, if you like uh, a mixture of, you know, it's a, he's a serial killer, Ethan Hawk, right? Uh, so I'm not, I'm giving anything away. Uh, and a super that you're throwing in, this is the kind of movie you'd want to see. It's a 10. It's not as gory as some other, like, it's not tasting Chainsaw Master Gory, but it's it's enough there. Uh, but the acting is really good. And you and asked Elvis, us yesterday. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You asked us yesterday whether or not our phone in the studio w- was black, but fortunately we're safe in that regard, so I think we're going to be okay. Okay, good. Because you don't want to pick up the black phone. <laughs> yeah. If it's ringing, okay. do not answer, right? That's right. You, oh, I don't know. It depends on the situation, but anyway, uh, I won't give anything away. All right, guys, I know you're going to have the Athlon person on, on board. Yeah. So I suspect you asked. We'll ask him. After I, uh, and I'm recalling it what Jeff says to me about, uh, I don't go to conspiracy theories, but I know after I was one of those magazines that if they can find a way to downgrade Auburn's, you know, winning or uh, talent, they'll do it. Uh, they're not a homer for Auburn. Do you agree or disagree? No, I think uh, I think they they do their best, uh, like a lot of these publications do, to play it right down the middle. So you're definitely not going to see a lot of pro Auburn things. I think they're going to tell you how they see it, and uh, I do believe that Athlon has Auburn projected to finish seventh in the SEC West for this upcoming football season. So dead last. So uh, we'll talk to them a little bit about the reasoning behind that, and uh, and go from there. Looking forward to the conversation a little bit yeah. later. Uh, please ask them if you are already going to plan on doing what their win total projection is. I'd like to uh, hear that later on the yep. podcast. Uh, speaking of uh, win total projections, guys, um, do you think Mr. Andy Burcham or anybody like that, or, or anybody on the staff there, you know, ever you know, transmits that kind of information? Like, hey, coach, have you seen the Vegas totals on Auburn for, for this year? They have us, you know, six wins. Do you think that kind of information is ever transmitted? And do the coaches, do you think, even give a darn what Vegas thinks? Uh, I bet they don't give a darn. I think they're focused on what they see in the building every day, but I truly do believe that they're aware of some of the projections that are out there. I, I really do feel like they're happen to come across it. Everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got social media in some variety. Everybody has uh, in that coaching or in the locker room, you've got spouses who are, are checking things and keeping you up to date on certain things. So I do have a feeling that the, they're well aware of what some projections out there are, but I, I think they still choose to operate in a positive mindset and uh, know what they're capable of themselves being around the team every single day. And what do you think the impact is among the players when they? Because I know they have to be exposed to these kind of things. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Say, hey, I'm man, sure it frustrates them. Here, you know. I'm sure it frustrates them. I'm sure it fires them up to perform a little bit better out there on the field. I just wonder, did they have maybe an additional motivation for the Auburn baseball team when they were picked last? It had to have. Know? Yeah. Hopefully we'll get the opportunity to uh, to talk about that with some of the Auburn players. All right. And there's a really excellent article written today uh, by Philip Marshall. It's called Lester Trains Bigsby, Austin, and Sees Bright Futures. Have you uh, read that article yet, that column? Where did that come across? Uh, I saw 247. 247? Yeah, I, I, Philip, great great job by him to yeah. put a story like that together. I haven't read it yet, but I, I do think it's awesome when former Auburn Tiger players are giving advice to current ones. That's great. Well, Brad Lester's training. He's spent the penalty right now. Uh, and big, even better, helping him out. Yeah. Yeah, Amari Austin. He says he sees a bright future uh, uh, for Austin. Heck yeah. Uh, he doesn't think he'll start right away, but could be on special teams, which is what Brad Lester did. I forgot about that. But he thinks that Bixby 
will probably have a breakout season of get this sixteen to seventeen hundred yards. That'd be huge. That'd be outstanding. So if he does that, guys. How in the world do we only win six games? Uh, I mean, yeah. If, if if Tank Bigsby has a great year, it's going to help the quarterback even more so. And uh, I, I mean, yeah, I think that uh, other people on the outside might not have uh, that big a projection for Tank Bigsby's numbers going into the season. But we'll just have to wait and see how it all unfolds. All right, guys, I'm through. That's all I've got. Uh, I'll look forward to hearing uh, the uh, conversation that yes, you sir. have with uh, the FI Sports person and uh, the podcast. I plan to listen to the suggestion person. Any shocking and breaking news from Mr. Justin Ferguson about no, the Auburn team. No, no no, news, no shocking news, that's for sure. More of a lighthearted conversation. He gave us some advice because we got a couple of Thunder Chicken softball games coming up tonight. We got two of them that we're playing, so uh, hopefully, okay, hopefully we can find the win column. We got to win. got to win. Okay, but, but did he give you any strategy? He, he just wanted us to not lose by double digits more than anything, so to, to be competitive. Is, is that what we've come to? Yes. That's what no. We've come to no, I have not given up. I guarantee, Joe Namath guarantee there will be a dub in the win column after Jared's tonight. very confident, so hopefully we can we can follow through with that. Okay, well, you might want to consider maybe see if you can borrow the talents of Mr. Delusia. Yeah, exactly. Go to Ole Miss and bring him into mix. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to outbid these people. That's right. All right, Steve, All right, enjoy your evening. Time. My time is up. I know um, I'll look forward to the podcast, see what the half-hour sports person has to say. Uh, y'all have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, when uh, you make a chance, please go see Elvis because uh, that is – if that guy doesn't get nominated, uh, he, he is a – a great singer because I read he does actually the singing it's not mimicry and he looks like the younger Elvis uh, before he got into the more uh, drug addicted Elvis but it's a great great movie it's worth seeing uh, even if you're not an Elvis fan you probably will become an Elvis fan after uh, watching this one it's like two hours and 40 minutes but I didn't fall asleep so if I didn't fall asleep you probably won't <laughs> alright we'll talk to you tomorrow out. Talk to you tomorrow. War Eagle. All right. That's retired Ward Am Steve joining us there on our Auburn Bank phone line. We got to take a commercial break. Our show continues in a moment next here on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. And welcome back into the show. JJ Jackson, Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard here inside our studios or on South College Streets. Give us a call if you'd like, 334 887 3401, as all of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Set to join us in a moment. Uh, Stephen Lazen is a publisher at Athlon Sports. He's on Twitter at Athlon Stephen. And we're going to be talking about the new Athlon Sports College Football Preview Magazine. We were sure to pick up a copy uh, that has Tank Bigsby right there on the front cover. But we want to get into a little bit of the SEC conversations here. And, of course, there's a big SEC projections preview page and not necessarily the numbers we do know that Auburn picked to finish last in the Athlon Sports magazine there but Brooks when you look at that page what are some of the things that are there if someone is looking for information what are they what are you seeing when you're looking at this page so if I open it up 
to the SEC preview page, which for anybody, yeah, give the page anybody, number. Anybody that's looking at it, you know, you get your your Athlon Sports College Football Preview with Say the number on the cover. It is uh, page two eighteen. Two eighteen. Two eighteen in your in your hymnals. All right. Um, <laughs> Uh, you've got the predicted order of finish on the left side. You've got a list of games to watch that they deem are really important games in the Southeastern Conference this year. Uh, they've also got a recruiting rankings down at the bottom of the uh, that first page. On the right side of it, you got the All-SEC team as well as bowl projections, uh, your 2021 standings, the bowl results from last year. And then if you flip over to the next page, they've got two, three – four pages of 10 things to watch in 2022 in the SEC. Oh, wow. And so... Now, is, is is on the list of games to watch for... Games to watch, yeah. Is Vanderbilt listed anywhere? Uh, Probably not. I will not, sure have, I will not have any Commodore slander on this, <laughs> on this show. They sure are not listed there. What's, I mean, give me one of those things. Uh, uh, ten things to watch in the SEC this season. Give us a talking point here, Ten Brooks. things to watch is uh, transfer quarterbacks taking over. Very that is, true. That is the headline. <laughs> no transfer kidding. quarterbacks taking over. Auburn's in the mix there. Texas A&M, LSU. I mean, yeah, we got a lot of, of transfer quarterbacks in the mix on the conference. If you want if you want Vanderbilt talk, Jared, number 10 is spring cleaning at Vanderbilt. Yes. There you go. There it is. Few programs in America have uh, as much experience as a dormant Vanderbilt. Oh, gee. Oh, <laughs> there you as, go. A, as a doormat, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Took uh, out that shovel and buried them. Auburn does have one in the 10. Number six is Harson on the hot seat. And there we are. We're starting yeah. the conversation. So that's that's already to that point. Um, I mean, you got South Carolina. Beamer raises the bar, which kind of he, he well, seems to he be did well. There. A lot of alliteration going on here. And then one of my, one of the more interesting ones is number two uh, is Heisman hype for an Alabama player, but it's not Bryce Young. It's, <gasps> it's a wide Heisman, receiver. Heisman hype for Will Anderson Jr. Is he a wide receiver? Will Anderson is not Running a back. wide receiver. No. Defensive player? Yeah, he's the uh, great linebacker. outside linebacker. Yeah. yeah, So he's the one defensive player that they always get hyped about yeah. each year? Gotcha. Well, and he, I mean, he was excellent last year, too. I mean, he uh, was first team on all accounts. One yeah. Of, not, not, mean, and yeah. Not to take anything away from him, but there's always that one defensive player that everybody's yeah. goo-goo for. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, SEC preview. We're going to talk about Steven Lassen with it. Again, this is from Athlon Sports uh, with his SEC preview magazine that has now been published. Auburn projected to finish seventh in the SEC West. Where was Auburn in that recruiting ranking? Uh, in the recruiting ranking down at the bottom, page or 218 of that is number nine in the conference. Okay. Only ahead of. And it was ranked one to 14? One to 14. The teams Auburn was ahead of Ole Miss, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Yeah. And was that looking at 2022? I would imagine, like, the freshman yeah, coming pa- in. I okay. would assume, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Texas A&M is number one on sure. this one. Sure, sure. I mean, not, not many arguments there. I know that their national championship pick uh, that Stephen Lassen has had is Alabama. So, uh, we know how loaded the Crimson Tide are going to be this upcoming season. Yeah, he's got them uh, undefeated this year and got Georgia at 12-1. and one. Um, I, I guess what – Counting that loss in the SEC title game, I, I assume is what they've got there. Because obviously, you played twelve regular season games. He's got them eight zero uh, in the league, which is always a regular season mark. So, um, you know, history shows us that it's not likely both those teams are undefeated um, in the regular season. That does not mean they're not the two best teams. They were the two best teams clearly last year, mm-hmm. but they didn't go undefeated right. into that point. So, um, 
or at least Alabama did not. But you know, it, it uh, it's always going to be. I, I feel like uh, Kirby Smart deserves that mantra too. Like it's always going to be going through Georgia in the East, going through Alabama in the West, and I mean you're going to have a hard time finding a year where they're not the favorites. You know, maybe Brian Kelly gets LSU into a place in a couple of years where they're very competitive neck and neck. You know, maybe A&M pays for enough players over the next few years where their <laughs> talent gap is not there, where they're up there talent-wise. But It's that oil money. But exactly. Um, but realistically speaking, I mean, until Saban retires and something catastrophic happens with Kirby Smart, I mean, I, you know, these are going to be – the two teams to beat. Now, there's always going to be movement. I, I'm pretty down on I Florida is not liking the early months of Billy Napier, and granted, that's always an un, you know a, a fan base that does not have much patience like the Auburn fan base. But um, you know they're not liking their first recruiting months with with Napier, and Florida's always had high expectations. If they're struggling, then you look for a competent number two behind Georgia in the East and. Uh, that very well could be one of two things that seem equally insane. That could be Kentucky mm-hmm. with Stoops and what he's done and the consistency uh, that he's brought to Lexington the last few years. It could be Kentucky football. Or, finally, it could be Tennessee. Now, every time Tennessee has life, they've unbelievably face-planted into, <laughs> into their own mustard bottles. Um, but they, in theory, should could be number two in the East this year. They really could be with Hendon Hooker and the offense that Hypel has brought to Tennessee. They they need to understand that they will have to tackle somebody on the other side of the football. But um, you know, I, I, I think I think Georgia is far and away in the East, even with all the loss of talent. I think Bama has more quality teams to play in the West that one of them could knock them off. Now, I don't think it will be A&M because it will be in Tuscaloosa this year and uh, everything that's gone into that offseason dynamic, but that was the team that was able to get Bama in the regular season last year. Um, you know, again, I, I think Arkansas will be quality, you know, with Pittman having done a good job now two years in a row, and K.J. Jefferson looks really good to me. Um, I, I, I just don't know what to expect with LSU. I don't know why I'm going through this entire conference right now. I mean, that just, I guess it's football. It's what we do. Um, this is where I wanted to go. I mean, we're getting set for this conversation with Stephen Lassen. But, you know, LSU is a program that obviously should be up there in a few years. And the only thing that would trip them up is that Kelly stylistically – just doesn't understand the family part <laughs> of LSU uh, because Kelly did an excellent job at Notre Dame for a long time. Remember, Notre Dame is obviously one of the great programs of all time. However, they have not recru- ever recruited as well as some of these SEC teams at Notre Dame. And my question would be, does that change at LSU? If it does not, then he's going to win some games. He's a good coach and LSU's a good program. But they won't meet the expect. They'll be very less miles esque and keep going eight and nine with the occasional ten win seasons. But if he can find another gear to his recruiting that he did not find most of the time at Notre Dame, then that's when you taking the fact Kelly is a really good coach. That LSU is a really good program. 
and then they'll be right back in in the mix of things um you know and 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 from the auburn perspective it's like yeah you know unfortunately it's not really right i don't think a coach in the second year should ever have a warm seat uh but that's kind of the reality is people are already nipping at brian harson's heels and i don't want to get to a big spiel in five minutes with it because we got to go to a break in a couple minutes and, and have another interview but the reality is we're looking at magazines and, and yeah, it's talking heads like we are and, and blah, blah, blah. But the but the I want people to understand this. And I know Steve vehemently protests this. The national sentiment is that Auburn will finish sixth or seventh in the Western Division and will struggle to make a bowl game. That is the national perception of what is going to occur. Uh, and that is already marketably worse than really any year in the last seven or eight years. And so Auburn has some work to do. They have, they have, we have obviously seen Auburn tear some things down, try and bring new kids and a new attitude to the program, and that's all well and good. But there is no patience in this conference. It is not just at Auburn. It is with, like I said, Florida people are already mad at Billy Napier. Has been there six months. Yeah, Duke put out an yeah. apology letter, right? And he didn't coach the game yet. You know, it's 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 insane. This conference is just different, and so the reality is, is that Auburn, if they do what everyone thinks they will do, Auburn will be in a very tumultuous place after year two of Brian Harson. So there's an uphill climb this league has a lot of quality teams i don't know if it has any great teams beyond what bama and georgia could be but that's why this league is really interesting to me there's a there's a lot of teams that would have pretty wide ceilings and floors let's go ahead and we'll take our break when we come back more sec football discussion as again steven lassen from athlon sports will join us on the program here in just a moment alongside ryan brooks and jared i'm jj we're back here on sports call have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show my name is my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm trevon reed former auburn tiger football player national champion you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM here in the Auburn area. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan and Brooks and Jared hanging out, having a good Tuesday. We hope that you're doing well. Final half hour or so here on the program, and we are beyond thrilled to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring in Stephen Lassen, our friend with Athlon Sports. Make sure you stop by, pick up the latest copy of the Athlon Sports College Football Preview Magazine. We picked up the edition with Tank Bigsby of the Auburn Tigers donning the cover. And Stephen Lassen joins us now here on the program. The time is greatly appreciated. How are you today, my friend? 
Hey guys, I'm doing great. It's great to be talking with you. It, it, I guess it's great to be talking college football at any point of the year, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is, especially here on the Plains. We've had a lot of off-season chatter for topics not necessarily related to what you do on the football field, on the gridiron itself. So, Stephen, we're certainly excited for uh, the upcoming season. We take a look at the Auburn team, and I want to get into your thoughts regarding the Tigers here. When you look back on the year 2021 and what the football season was for Brian Harson in year one, what stood out to you? You know, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was the six and two start, and I, and I think within that six and two start, you know, you saw the signs and things that we saw out of Brian Harson at Boise State that I think you can take away and build on for 2022. You know, there were certainly, I think, when you study kind of the X's and O's and you watched Auburn, you got the sense that Harson kind of knew what he was doing, um, especially offensively as they were trying to navigate some of the personnel concerns at offensive line, receiver, and quarterback. So I think the, the thing that stood out to me was really there was the fast start. There was the, the slow finish at the end of the year uh, by winning, by losing the last five after a six and two start. And then, of course, everything that's happened this offseason. So I think it's been a bit of a mixed bag. And I think they're a, just a really curious and interesting team as we go forward into 2022. And, and let me ask you kind of a different type of question, because all, all summer long and all spring long, the question is who's going to end up being the quarterback and, and that sort of thing between Finley and Calzada. But let me ask you this. If, if the quarterback play, no matter who it is, is just okay, but you get a great version of Tank Bigsby and a great Auburn running game, and then you get quality Auburn defense. What what can that still amount to uh, for Auburn in 2022? Yeah, I think that's a great question because you guys asked me about what stood out in 2021 to me. And, and first of all, Tank Bigsby is one of my favorite players to watch in the SEC. The Tank Bigsby cover is one of my favorites too because he's such a fun player uh, to watch. But I think that's kind of the, the debate about Auburn this offseason is the margin for error, especially on offense, seems small with the quarterback uncertainty, maybe not a lot of established playmakers right now are receivers. But I think what's interesting is if you look at the SEC West, Alabama, of course, is going to be picked number one. I think most people will pick Texas A&M at two. It's that three through seven group that's grouped close together. And I think depending on how you feel about Ole Miss reloading, Mississippi State has a very difficult schedule. LSU's reloading and rebuilding under Brian Kelly. So I think anywhere, if things fall into place with Auburn, you get the best version of Tank Bigsby. The defense picks up almost where it left off last year. You know, third place in the West is very attainable. I think you're going to see a lot of maybe five and three, four and four type teams in there, but they're all sort of right in that 20 to 40 range nationally. A lot of good teams. Um, and that's kind of where the curiosity for me is, is in the SEC West this year. Folks can certainly look at the copy of the magazine, and we want people to go by and find it. Uh, we certainly were able to find it at plenty of newsstands here around town and have enjoyed flipping through. It's such a, a good piece to look at. It feels like you're kicking off your summer and the college football season right around the corner when you're taking a look at the Stephen. And we could see that Auburn is projected to finish seventh in the SEC West. A lot of people have the Tigers sort of in that area. So, so let's kind of get to it then. We talk about what the good could be for this Auburn football program what are the biggest concerns i know we've highlighted them a little bit here in our short chat with you but expand on on some of those concerns for this auburn football team absolutely you know i think i'll start with kind of the obvious it's the quarterback position i I think the question is what can auburn get out of this quarterback room 
and to sort of elevate the offense. And it's not just the quarterback position. I think the receivers go you know, kind of hand-in-hand hand with that. I thought Kobe Hudson, you know, probably Auburn's best you know, game-breaker in terms of speed, being able to stretch the field. Can they find a couple guys to be difference-makers this year? Offensive line, a lot of guys back, but can that group elevate its play? I think when you've watched Calzada and T.J. Finley, um, certainly Robbie Ashford had a great spring game. But Calzada and Finley have shown flashes of potential. I think the question is, can, can Carson and his staff sort of harness that potential and be able to elevate that quarterback room in a year where there's not a ton of margin for error on offense? So I think quarterback, receivers, offensive line, I like this Auburn defense. I mean, not many teams in the SEC are probably going to have two guys on the first two uh, all-SEC teams or even three uh, with Hall and Wooden coming back. And if Owen Popo stays healthy, uh, you know, replacing Jacoby McClain, you know, that's pretty much a, a no-brainer all-SEC type selection for me. So I'm curious how the pieces fit together in the secondary. But my, my concerns with this Auburn team really aren't on defense. They all just come on the offensive side of the ball this year. And, and it seems that when we look at, you know, as you were talking about, kind of a clear uh, break between you know, after you go from Alabama and A&M down to three through seven, in the West, there's a lot of teams that if they could take one element of another team from one of their rivals, uh, they would be in really good shape. For example, some of these teams like uh, LSU uh, still looking at a quarterback race on their hands. Obviously, we mentioned Auburn as well. But then you have other teams that maybe have less talent defensively or, or, or other parts of their team. But like the Mississippi schools with like Will Rogers, for example, at Mississippi State that have uh, really kind of established themselves and continue to get better and better. Uh, is that what makes it so difficult to kind of rank three through seven? Some of these teams have good quarterbacks, but the rest of their rosters kind of lack. And some of these teams have more talent, but they're still in a quarterback battle here, you know, two months before the season starts. No question. I think that's the interesting thing, too, about the SEC this year is that at the top of the SEC – is extremely deep at quarterback. Uh, Bryce Young will be first-team All-SEC, but guys like Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, Will Rogers at Mississippi State, K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas, throwing Spencer Rattler, uh, transferring into the league. But, you know, you look at a team like Arkansas that brings back K.J. Jefferson, but they only bring back, you know, eight other returning starters outside of that. They lose Traylon Burks. There's question marks on defense. LSU only has six returning starters. That's the fewest of any team in the SEC West. Ole Miss is really the big experiment this year. I mean, they bring in a ton of transfers. They lose Matt Corral, but the hope is all those transfers mesh together with new coordinators on both sides of the ball and are able to pick up where they left off last season. So it really there's kind of an interesting mix of new coaches, um, kind of established culture at a place like Arkansas, but maybe some talent questions and, and some roster concerns. And also just a team like Mississippi State that just has a really difficult schedule, but has a pretty dang good quarterback and all that. So it's, it's definitely quarterbacks, but there's also within those, there's some individual question marks that sort of just make this probably the most fascinating division race in college football this year. And Stephen, I want to look on the other side of the SEC and the SEC East. Obviously, you know, everyone's picking Georgia. Georgia's leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of that SEC East. Kentucky's been up there the last few years. Florida's kind of on a downturn. Which team in that SEC East do you think can make the biggest strides to kind of close that gap with Florida this year? You know, I, I like Tennessee to finish second in the East this year. I think Tennessee, Kentucky, and Florida are all really close. You know, two through four probably somewhere 
18 to 30 something nationally. They're all really close. I think the biggest optimism for Tennessee, and, and granted, we've heard this from Tennessee before. There's a lot of optimism one year, and they don't seem to meet preseason expectations. But they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, Hendon Hooker. The offensive production, you know, they had the fewest plays of 40 plus yards in 2020. They had the most in the SEC last year. There was a clear improvement under Josh Heupel in that offense. They have uh, the firepower offensively to finish second. Kentucky's just rock solid. There are some personnel concerns as far as losses on the offensive line, lost the offensive coordinator, lost Wondell Robinson. And I think Florida is still – I don't think they're necessarily as bad as they were last year by finishing 6-7, and seven, but I also think there was a lot that went wrong. And from a personnel standpoint, as somebody who does the All-SEC team for Athlon Sports, you know, it is a little shocking to see Florida as thin as they are on the defensive line, offensive line, and receiving core. So 2-4 through four in the East is really close, but I would take Tennessee out of that group to finish second and be the biggest – I guess, air quotes, threat to Georgia because Georgia's pretty clear number one. As is usually the case, there is a, a another nice helping of, of non-conference games early in the season involving SEC teams, obviously Oregon, Georgia, Utah, Florida, Auburn, Penn State, uh, Alabama, Texas as well. Of those games or any others, uh, what kind of stands out to you? You know, I think it's the Utah at Florida game because I think we're going to find out right away where Florida is under Billy Napier. They open with Utah, they get Kentucky the next week. So those first couple games of the season for Florida are huge tests for a program that's in transition. There's uh, Anthony Richardson, who's an interesting quarterback prospect, but also has a lot of questions coming into the season. So I I think as we try to shape our early opinions of the SEC, we'll find out right away how good Florida is. And Alabama-Texas is just fascinating because of the – dynamics. You have Sarkeesian taking on Saban. You have Texas, of course, who's moving to the SEC in the future. Their bar, you know, their kind of barometer test against Arkansas did not go well last year. So have they closed the gap any on some of the top teams in the SEC? That one early in the year will be really fascinating to watch. Stephen Lassen is here with us from Athlon Sports. Again, the College Football Preview Magazine is out right now from Athlon Sports, and we've got copies with Auburn's Tank Bigsby here on the cover. Stephen, tell me this. What do you love the most about your magazine? And maybe tell us uh, underrated parts of the magazine as well for our listeners. Absolutely. My favorite part of it is the anonymous coach scouting every year. Uh, we, we love getting that. We love reading it. You, know, you guys know during the season, coaches are just so ingrained to give us coach speak, as I like yeah. to say. They just try. You know, they don't want to give us any bulletin board material. They don't want to give other teams anything. But the coach speak, you know, the anonymous coach scouting is basically us saying we put the recorder on the table. Here's a couple questions. You get anonymous uh, to, to you know anonymous to be able to do whatever you you want to say. So that's always my favorite part of it. I think an underrated part of it is just how in-depth our 131 previews are. We have a preview for every team, previews for every conferences. I mean, I basically keep this guide on my desk all offseason as sort of the perfect encyclopedia for college football of everything you need to, to know, schedules, recruiting, uh, you know, NIL, transfers, and, and basically anything you need to know about the season. Where can people find the magazine, Stephen? Absolutely. So it's the you can go to the newsstand right now. It's on, it, the official on sale date was June seventh. 
the uh, you know bookstores, grocery stores, um, retail stores have it. Also, AthlonSports.com. If you go to our website, at the very top, there's a link to magazines. It takes you to our online store. So if you're an Auburn fan living outside of Auburn, we can, you can order the magazine there, and we'll ship that cover to you. So uh, that's kind of the beauty of our website. You can order any edition you want, and we'll ship it out to you. And how about that? The ability, Stephen, it sounds like for you guys to kind of make uh, different covers for different college football fans and that sort of thing. You really are trying to make this the ultimate guide for fans out there. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the things that we get a lot of feedback on from fans is they love the personalized cover. And, you know, I think 12 out of the SEC teams uh, get their own, usually get their own cover. Vanderbilt shares, Arkansas, Missouri sometimes share. But, you know, we, we really try to give fans the sort of personalized cover. And this year, you know, I've mentioned it, I love the Tank Bigsby cover, our Kentucky cover with Will Levis on it. It sort of personalizes uh, and we try to capture that SEC uh, passion and interest that's out there in each individual team. So, yeah, we, we really appreciate all of us, all the readers and everybody picking it up on our website. Happy to ship out whatever edition you want. How can people follow your work, Stephen? Absolutely. You can check me out at AthlonSports.com. You can also follow me uh, on Twitter at AthlonSteven. Looking forward to many more conversations throughout this upcoming college football season with you, buddy. Okay? Hey, guys, anytime. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. We did as well. That's our good buddy Stephen Lassen there with Athlon Sports giving us the ultimate college football preview magazine right there. And uh, good stuff per usual. Go to your nearest newsstand. I'll let you know here in the Auburn, Opelika, Lee County area, you're going to find plenty of of Tank Bigsby covers uh, that you could see there. War Eagle printed across it as well. But, Jared, no Vanderbilt love for well, the Athlon Preview well, magazine. you know what? It's one day, as a Vanderbilt truther, <laughs> one day that they will rise. And anchor they will, down. <laughs> anchor down. They will take no prisoners <laughs> when the Vanderbilt supremacy reigns over where they look at it, Nashville. 14 teams in the league for now. 13 of them projected by Athlon to win it two conference games or more. Vandy's the only one that is not. They're projected not to win a single one. Oh, man. Which is probably how I'd have it okay. as well. Yeah. But tell me, where you said there's bold projections on there. Just go ahead and just do me in with where Auburn's projected to go. Please bold tell me projections? Not, yeah. Please tell me that Music City. It is not. It's a return trip to Tampa. Oh, God. But it's not what it was formerly the Outback Bowl, which is now the Tampa Bay Bowl, which I think they actually named it something a couple weeks ago, which is atrocious. Uh, it's the Gasparilla Bowl, the one that uh, Gus Malzahn won the ba- last The Bad year. Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl? Uh, I don't think it. Well, that's no, what it used to be. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know if it's, it's still bad called boy that. anymore. I'm squarely on board again. Talking about regional expectations for everyone out there. Says he only wants Auburn to go eight wins. I would like them to win the national championship. I'm being realistic that they're not going to do that. Uh, in the realm of realism, I really want Auburn to go eight and four and go to the Las Vegas Bowl. I mean, honestly, just, Ryan, I'm I'm just happy we get five <laughs> wins. Well, listen, I, I'm gonna be quite honest, and you know, see, I'm not on the show every day, so I can just say this and run away. Right. Right. I don't expect Auburn to get six wins. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. 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 Think oh, about no. it. No. He's going to make no. us pay for his sins. Oh. No, because oh. Auburn's projected to go six. Auburn's projected to go six and six in that book, right? But that's with yep. a Penn State win. Yeah. I don't think we beat Penn State. I think that's the difference. Well, okay, so. The the ceiling the, the ceiling right at floor the buzzer, we're getting into this. The oh yeah, I can say dynamic. this and run away. You're not gonna, you're not gonna catch <laughs> well, me again. Because okay, there's absolutely a floor that Auburn does not make a bowl. I agree with that. It's 
yeah. possible. It's in their floor that they could go five and seven. Yeah. Um, the the issue is when you start looking at these teams. Okay, you give Auburn three three non con wins. I assume they'll beat Missouri. That's four. There's not another game that you say with your chest out. There's no chance they lose that game. Yeah. You know, because they're here. They are being picked seventh in the West. That means they're picked below the uh, their sixth team. So You're that's six losses. It. You know, and then there's a seventh loss for Georgia, and so so and don't have it's a, college football. They will not lose to all these teams. They will yeah. quote unquote upset, and they, that's they, where the six wins comes from. It, it's football. But, you're gonna, you're going to find wins so here and there. They're not losing to all the both Mississippi's and Arkansas and LSU. They're going to find a win or two in there. Yeah, but. The projections say they could very well finish below all those schools. And you look at all those schools and say, Auburn probably has more talent than one or two of those schools. But it's not night and day. And if they get poor quarterback play, that's what makes up that yeah. difference. I mean, I'm just saying, the last two years, I thought, oh, South Carolina, that's a win. And it wasn't. Right. You're all right. right. So, and now and, they have Spencer Rattler. And, and, do they? Yeah. South Carolina does have Spencer But – Oh, good for him. I'm interested in almost every team in this league. Same. Yeah, the Vanderbilt. only teams I have no interest in are Missouri and Vandy. I think every other team has. Wow. Not even had, Vandy's new look? They got the new what? V. Yeah, they got the new. Remember the new V they came out with? Oh, I remember it. I don't want to. It's <laughs> not very good marketing, honestly. Um, Ryan, yeah. I'm here for a Vegas trip because now that the. Uh, the Gasparilla Bowl has been moved out of Tropicana Field. I don't know what the point is. Oh, no. You stay away from that phone, dude. Well, it, was oh, it God. in Ray J then? Yeah, it's, yeah. Because okay. the last year was the first year that they put it into Raymond James Stadium. But they've moved it out of the Tropicana Field. That's right. It was in Ray J because that's where uh, UCF and Florida play. Yeah. Which is a really good venue for that it game, is. though. It is. I'm not, I'm not, I, there is no Ray J slander here. But I'm just <laughs> saying, the fact that I don't get a, a game on that awful turf right, that's yeah. in Tropicana Field. We, uh, we are at the buzzer here, so let's get one more phone call in. About four minutes left in the show today. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 Joining us now, Michael from Auburn. Michael has called into the program. Hey, Michael. Hey guys, uh, I've said it all along when it comes to this this next schedule. Uh, it, it reminds me, and it's gonna gonna sh- you know scare a lot of people, but it reminds me of the 2012 schedule. Uh, I hope we don't have the same outlook. But if some things went Auburn's way, uh, the Clemson and the LSU game in 2012, they get on a roll, but the, the wheels just started falling off, and it snowballed from there. And you know if things go right against Penn State, you get LSU early. Uh, you could look at an undefeated team going into that Georgia game. Uh, and, and I like our chances, but we'll see how things go. But on the flip side, we're projected 6-6. Six and six. I think for Harson to save his job, he's got to go 9-3. and three. I don't think 8-4, and four, he, say, he keeps his job. That's just me. I, I certainly hope that's not the case in year two. Um you know, I'm not saying you're wrong because I don't know what this administration thinks at almost any time. <laughs> um, but you would certainly, under normal circumstances, say someone in year two should not be fired for going, you know, eight and four, improving upon the, the previous season. Although we all understand that last season what was shaping up to be a really yeah. quality season and went downhill disastrously. But you know, I, I certainly think he can't go six and six again. I'll put it that way. I, I would hope he gets. The the benefit of the doubt if he goes eight and four 
Um, but but six and six, I would I would definitely fear for his job. But I mean, you can look at the schedule, and, and like he was talking about that Penn State and LSU game; those are the two biggest games I think on Auburn's schedule this year. Uh, because things can, can you can gain so much momentum with those two games, uh, or it can all go downhill because of that. Uh, but I think honestly, those are the two biggest games on the schedule for Auburn this year. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great point because people do forget in two, 2012, it was not a disaster from the beginning. They lost very close games. I think it was like 12 to 10 to LSU that year. It hurt. Yeah. Uh, and so it was not all horrible the first six games or so, and then the, the, the back got broken, and then everything uh, fell and apart. And I think the Clemson game was also very close. Yes, I it think was. you're competitive for a long time, and then it just couldn't find, but but I think some of those. I'm hoping that it's kind of like Auburn baseball that you know project, projected last, and they just find a way to win the one run games and the close games that we couldn't figure out last year. I just, for Harson's sake, I just think you know it's going to take some, something you know not just better than last year, but I think they're looking for something that that uh, it's going to be almost impossible for him to achieve. I think, but. I, and I hope I'm wrong uh, because I think that I wish they'd give him a chance, but uh, we'll see. And I think that everyone's talking about recruiting, but the guys that are staying and that are coming back for that COVID year, I think that in itself speaks for the recruiting uh, of what's going to happen. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. No kidding. It's, it's definitely positive things for uh, this Auburn football team that all those guys are returning. Michael, we appreciate the phone call today. Thanks. All right, that's our buddy Michael from Auburn joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. So if if, if Auburn football can pull Auburn baseball, does that mean Calzada to the new Sonny D? <laughs> Very well could be. <laughs> Very well could. A transfer in his first year leading the Tigers to the finish line. Co-SEC I mean, e- co- player of the year. I would be all for it. I would absolutely be all for it. I hope that that's the case. I hope that that's the case. Well, look, we've done it. We've gotten to the end of another show here on Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite. Jared, thanks for stopping by. I'm going to say to run away again. Auburn yeah. probably gets five wins or less. Cut his <laughs> Jared, Jared's not welcome next Tuesday. Yeah. He's not welcome back on. I'm the friend that shows up to the party and tries to play and doesn't clean up. <laughs> and then you just leave. <laughs> yeah. Show up, tries to play, don't elaborate, leave. Brooks, thank you for stopping by and being on the program yes, today, my sir. friend. And uh, Ryan LaVoy. I'm looking forward to seeing you later in the week, okay? Sounds good. See that's ya. That's going to do it for today's show. We appreciate all of our guests on the program today. From Ben Ingram, Justin Ferguson, and Stephen Lassen, we appreciate all of the phone calls as well. Our nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Online, follow us, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SportsCallAU. For Ryan the Boy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and Five good ones. day.